Welcome to the AP Podcast. This is Mike Shea. This is a special late night edition. I uh, never did one this late before, um, but it's actually already a lot of fun. I like doing it this late for some reason. I'm to remember that next time Will Francis is in town, we'll do a midnight showing. Um, my guests today are the main, and uh, I don't know how we didn't do it, but we hadn't done one of these before with you guys. Um, and considering how long we've uh, worked together and known each other, I, it's actually pretty surprising. So I'm actually looking forward to this. Um, this band came out of Tempe, Arizona. Uh, around 2007, late 2006, um, there are five pieces, many of you already know. Um, to date, they've had three full lengths, several EPs out, and uh, but they have a brand new one that's coming out. It's called Forever Halloween, uh, to be released on June 4th. Actually, actually, AP's birthday is June 6th. Um, the band are known to be some of the most personable of artists I think that are out there. I, I haven't really ever heard anything negative about these guys, um, and I think that's one of the things that causes them to have like this ever over devoted. Um, you know, make other bands jealous of fan base, uh, and they're worldwide. Uh, and uh, um, considering what a lot of artists kind of go through um, as their career kind of develops, um, this band just like their fan base never leaves them, and that's what's so beautiful about this. Uh, and then on top of that, I have yet, and I mean this totally sincerely, I've yet to see them ever do a bad show. Um, and for some reason, no matter how cold it is outside, there's they always end up sweating on stage. I don't get it. <laughs> it's my fault. <laughs> I think there's a sponsorship that your manager should talk to Axe about. So, um, gotta do what you gotta do. The band was signed to Fearless Records in late 2007. Um, pretty much, and if I'm correct, we can correct this after I get done with this, uh, not more than a year after starting out. Um, and they released uh, the big record for them uh, at that time, so far, the big record, uh, Can't Stop, Won't Stop, and the following year. Uh, and that record kind of brought out a couple of their singles that, that basically put them on the radar of music fans, like Everything I Asked For and Into Your Arms. Uh, and there was actually a couple of this on that record, too. Uh, 2010 had the band uh, kind of, uh, because of uh, the record company dealies, kind of start doing what, a deal with Warner Brothers uh, for their follow-up, Black and White. And that record had a bit, a bit of a more mature sound, like a developed sound. And, uh, and it also had uh, two singles. One of them, my favorite songs out of them is uh, Right Girl, which is still, it's, and we did an AP Sessions with them, and they did that song, it was beautiful. Uh, and Inside of You was the other single. Um, the third album, Pioneer, uh, on their own action theory records, of, it, it continued to kind of showcase this band's ever-evolving um, small bar American rock sound is kind of the only thing I could come up with. Um, and, it, cause, and it doesn't mean small bar in a bad way. I mean, small bar like, like that band you just love to go see all the time. It's in a small bar, and they just, they just own it. Um, and, but because they kept evolving, some of the, some of their, um, some of the music press were kind of wondering, like, wow, this band, like, they're, they're changing so much. Is it like even the same band anymore? They've developed and they've evolved. Um, but today, now they're off, they've disconnected themselves from Warner Brothers, and the main are doing uh, everything on their own, uh, and they've got a really tight business machine that they've got, and uh, they're really, really good with merchandising, and they're really good with um, just running a business, and, uh, and uh, Tim Kirch, who's uh, the brother of Pat Kirch, is their manager, and, he, and they've got their own label, and they've got their own structure, and, and it's, it's awesome, and uh, just kind of talk about that merchandising, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. Um, they have a 500-page, roughly, photo book that's coming out, uh, and they've put out a series of photo books already in the past, uh, but this thing's huge. And uh, this is again shot with their with their uh, usual house photographer they've had and a longtime friend Dirk Mai, uh, and it's going to be released uh, this summer. And they also had a DVD that they put out uh, end of last year. Uh, so this band is uh, is 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 constantly um, surprising me, and I think really surprising their fan base. And uh, it's going to be a really good time talking with them tonight. Um, their official website, in case you don't know, is wearethemain.net. There are still some .nets out there, and their official <laughs> Twitter is easy enough, the main. Um, uh, just had a question, um, uh, Facebook page or website, which one do you think is more important to your band? Oh, man. I, th I think uh, 
Facebook has become kind of the hub um, a bit, just because it's it's kind of a thing where people are kind of already there. You know, they're 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 all, all, all already on Facebook. But right. I mean, as far as like a hardcore fan base, I think like having our our own site that's only about us and that you, it's so easy on Facebook to hop around to some some other page, run a website. It's all about the main, you know. So, so uh, actually, Papa, a little bit more on that mic there, so we can hear you. Um, and before I before I go to follow up on that one, why don't we go around to my right and just say your name and what you play in the band, and uh, so everybody can kind of get your voice with your uh, because we're doing NPR style. I'm Pat and I play drums. I'm Garrett. I play bass. I'm John. I sing. I'm Jared. I play guitar. I'm Kennedy and I play guitar. It was too fast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even get the coffee down. Um, uh, but you know what? There is that whole. There is that conversation that's that's still kind of going around, um, saying, "Well, you don't need a, a, a website. You got Facebook, and it does everything for you because you got plugins. You can do top spin plugins. You can do band page plugins. You can do whatever. And so you don't need a website. So why spend all that money with a bandwidth and everything? Just use Facebook." Yes or no? Maybe? I, mean, I, I don't know. I mean, me personally growing up, I just remember going, and maybe it's not like a, it wasn't a directed like band website, but I remember going to drive through Records website mm. and, and going up and checking daily for probably, you know, weeks on end to get announcements about things that I was trying to be in the loop on. and um, So I'd like to think that in the future we can, you know, create yeah. some sort of that vibe with, with you know, 8123 and, and what we have going on over there. Um, and I think we already are. I think that's already so, happening. I mean, and, yeah. and, the th and the thing kind of how, how I th think about it is it's, it's important what you're putting on the website or the mm -hmm. Facebook. So, like, kids, kids are going to get it on if it's on Facebook or on your website. It, you know, so the, the, the content that you make and the, th and the things that you're – the updates you're posting is the important part. Mm-hmm. Do you think there? You think it's becoming? You know, I think uh, uh, there was one in the interviews I saw. I think John, it was you quoted was saying that you know the necessary evils of social media. Um, do you think there's there's you know now we got Vine, so now you got to start making six second Vine videos, mm -hmm. and now you know and there's there's always talk of somebody else coming out with something new. Um, so do you think there's too many outlets now, and it's starting to scatter you guys too much, or do you I'm, guys kind of divvy up the responsibilities? Uh, like one of you is. I the Instagram on a, guy. On a personal level, it's it's a little overwhelming. I think that um, I know that we have like a band Vine account that we use to um, <clears throat> kind of document what we're doing like together. Um, but yeah, it does feel on, on a personal level at least. I feel a little scatterbrained. I feel like there's you know there's so many different ways and and we're announcing things too. There's you know so many different places where we're putting it on. But that's also a great thing. Yeah, know? it's so. it's really funny. Um, like something like Instagram where we're all together and we see something cool and we all take a picture of it and like right. automatically all you want to do is post it post but it's like oh who got it first <laughs> and yeah with, and with all these outlets you know there's only i guess some there's only a certain amount of times during the day where you're going to find something to share with all with everybody on yeah your it's it's, or, it's i think it's a balance it's like you know these a couple of my friends back at home my roommates call me technology dad <laughs> because I, I don't really like keep up to date nor do i really you know to a certain degree do i care um so it's that fine balance. I don't think we're at a point anymore, or maybe ever, where it's like we're going to take six you know, pictures of our stomachs. Maybe there's a little scab or a scar just to show off of our, you know, show off our bodies so that we can get 20,000 likes. You know what I mean? I, I don't think that that's in our agenda, um, whereas for some, that's how they continue to grow their, 
you know, whatever they're Well, you got, you got, you got pretty social media when you broke your, uh, your shoulder. Your yeah. Yeah. Thing last yeah. year. So I think it's like, you know, I, it's that fine balance. It's, it's, you know, we have to inform while also trying to entertain at the same time. And, and there's only so much that people I think want to know. And there's only so much that I think you should share so that, you know, you're not giving everything away. Nobody, I, you know, yeah, nobody wants like, to and, know. And, like, what's what's so great? I think about like all 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 these sites that are popping up is like John and me run all those sites completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, right. we're like you can. Oh, I just got really loud. Yeah, no, really so. loud. It was okay. <laughs> there we are. Sorry. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know, you you can kind of put your own spin on it. You mm-hmm. know, where he may, may, maybe doesn't. Put as much out there as as mm-hmm. as me. We're like I'm more like talking about like specific things, mm-hmm. things about the band. So like th- right. that, that's that's what's so great is you can just kind of take it however you want, you know. But then at the same yourself. token, I think you know our our band social media site or, or platforms they are there to inform and to keep All people in the loop. Back to the music exactly. So like that, you know? I guess like yeah, I guess I agree with that. It's you know everybody has their own personality as much as you can online. I guess it's like a you know, trying to sense sarcasm through a text message or something like that. Right. I think it's kind of Bad. hard to differentiate how things are coming across, but um, I think, I think that's the beauty of jump it. Jump in like past the band level of things. Yeah, and, and as long as you're, as long as that doesn't become you, you know, exactly. I, I think you have to put the phone down at one, at some point and just realize that it's okay to to not be connected and not be you know inserted in the matrix. But you said so something speak. really interesting, and in that is, you said there are some things people don't want to know, and that's usually the exact opposite of how a lot of people think now. Like, no, they they need to know, they want to know everything. So, what do you think they don't I mean, want to know? Well, so, at well point, so if they do know everything, there's nothing left to learn. There's nothing left to learn, you know, and and all the stuff that you can read about online, I think, is already to a certain degree kind of formulated and, and kind of. You know, elaborate. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it's uh, well, like it's like that the Kardashian thing. You know what I mean? Uh, obviously, if everybody sees, you know, her clipping her fingernails, they want to know how long they were, how much dirt was under them. But if you don't ever show that, nobody's ever going to wonder. You know what I mean? Or or prod, I suppose. I I don't know. It's it's a weird thing. You kind of exactly. Invo- no you one will expect it. Yourself, yeah. But it's also part of it's you know, kind of the story, like as a fan, you can make up. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, I remember just even when I was listening to bands growing up, it was like, you'd hear these stories that people would tell. And if you don't give it all away, there's still some of that there. And I think that's important. So do you guys hold back? I mean, do you create that mystery? I don't think on purpose not, at all. Not, not, yeah. it, it, I think Never it's just kind purpose. of like in our nature to not yeah. like be the guys who are Taking a picture of themselves in the in the mirrors in, and in, stuff in, in the mirror, and yeah. like, like that would just feel wrong. But, uh, you know? uh, it's actually funny. Uh, Daft Punk just put out that new single mm-hmm. with Pharrell, and I don't know if you saw the video. No, not yet. There's a video of Pharrell talking about the them meeting, and he calls them the robots. And long story short, it's basically them meeting in Paris and writing this song together. But basically, they they. He says they drugged him and he got back to Los Angeles and didn't remember a thing. Now, the way that it was all presented was really incredibly awesome. A great story. And I don't care as a fan. I don't care if it was real or not. I love that. But if he would have gone into detail beyond that and would have talked about, you know, what they ate for lunch and, and then so on and so forth, that you 
by leaving out all of that, he left me like really wanting more. Mystique. And, yeah, exactly. Without trying to be too mysterious, you know, at all. So, so let's go back. <clears throat> you know, part of this these uh, podcasts is to kind of fill in the gaps, but also correct the record. So some of this um, that we may talk about during this, um, <clears throat> maybe kind of wrote questions, but it's I'm only asking because I'm trying to get the record straight. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. Um, if what is I read is correct, so this is part of the deal here. You got to correct me. Um, <laughs> if uh, Pat, you started playing drums in eighth grade. No, before that. Already, we're wrong. Um, okay, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't remember exactly when, but a couple years, couple years before be, before that. But I mean, in in that kind of a range. Were you always or, a drummer? You know, you know the drummers. The, the, the drummer is the one at the at the at the diner with you that keeps tapping doing exactly that, yeah. doing that. Yeah, yeah. that would be Pat. either that yeah, or Pat, the one definitely. with his foot in his mouth or like <laughs> twirling his hair <laughs> or yeah, yeah, I'm a uh, weirdo. Yeah, Pat's like a Pat's like a nature fondler. He just when, he, when, he, when, he, when he's on the phone, he's just touching everything. Just, a, fern, a fern fondler. Was that ever a, was that a, was that ever a social media handler handle for you guys? Nature fondler. Is that on Match dot com? Fern fern toucher. Fern toucher. That's <laughs> <Burned. laughs> so yes, he always knew he was a drummer. Yeah. <laughs> He's always got to be hitting something. Yeah. So when? So why? When did you like? What? How did the drums end up in your hands? Well, it was kind of weird. I started like having an interest in playing the drums in like third grade because third grade, okay. of that thing you do. Okay. Um, and I was in a band with Tim, my my brother, <laughs> and a couple of our friends. And we didn't actually play. We would play the the, the, the album. Was that that Hollywood <laughs> Morans band? No, no. All right, okay. That that, that, that would come after. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, uh, so like, we, we, from one embarrassment to the yeah, next. Yeah, right. <laughs> we would we would just hit hit play on on, on the song that 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 thing you do and fake it. <laughs> Okay. Um, and I was a bass player, um, but I just had a guitar and I got some got, got some scissors and cut off the two bottom strings and I'd fake it. And uh, Tim was the singer. Uh, but uh, so oh, by like playing that, I kind of got the idea that at some point I would like want to play the drums, um, and I didn't. Um, and then five years later, or whatever whatever it was, four years later, I. Uh, decided to start playing just kind of just like out of the out of the blue i mean i'd like always kind of like had an interest in it and like i i, I had like a practice pad and like sticks and stuff um and then i just i decided to do it what was your first drum set it was a, a sunlight it was called it was like uh, 150 bucks um my dad went and bought it for me you still have it i don't i See, so, no. so it's already been sold off or destroyed <laughs> yeah. or whatever it, yeah. it is right now. It's yeah. a cold winter. <laughs> Burn the drums. So let's go around the circle. Let's go around the circle. Like, what, like, like what, what's your first earliest musical memory of like either picking up an instrument or standing in front of a mirror pretending you're Ted Nugent? <laughs> um, shooting, shooting deer. No, you were in Arizona. Shooting boars. <laughs> um, my first band, I started when I was 12. Um, a couple... Uh, Actually, before that, um, I I lived in Texas for a little while and moved back to Phoenix. And um, were you all Tempe area? All of you? I, guys I'm from that? Gilbert. Gilbert, that's right. You're that's right. You're, he's from Scottsdale. And you're Scottsdale. That's right. He's the weird one. Scottsdale. He's the weird weirdo. Yeah. Average for, for Scottsdale is just super weird. Scottsdaleans. Yeah. Um, 
and I, my brother started playing guitar when I when we lived in Texas, and he was like really into Metallica and stuff. So I would like film him playing like playing guitar, and so I was like super interested in it. And then I came back and like wanted to start a band with uh, with someone just because I thought it'd be cool. And uh, met someone in fourth grade. Uh, his name is Andrew, and he played drums. And pretty much for a while, we just talked about having a band, but didn't ever play together. And then he started this like punk band. And uh, then he was like, we need a bass player. And I didn't know how to play bass. So my mom went out and bought me a bass that day. And we cleaned out this lady's basement. And she let us uh, practice in her basement just for cleaning it out. And then, uh, and then we had like a four track. And so we would re- started recording like that day. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how it started. You remember the first cover song you ever you played that you could actually feel comfortable playing, like you got it? Um, we did some Ramon stuff, and <laughs> oh. Uh, oh my god, it was terrible. Okay. We did it, and then we thought it'd be sure. really f- we did we thought it'd be really funny to there was like an effect on the vocal where you could add <laughs> chipmunk to it, <laughs> and we thought it'd be really funny to do that. So that was the first, and it was it funny. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I guarantee if I showed you, you'd It'd laugh. It'd be hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I, do, I do think that there was, uh, they did put, they did one of those, uh, chipmunk records with chipmunk punk at the time. So <laughs> yeah. It's legit. They actually did release that record. I think. And so it was whatever. It's amazing. Who knows? Uh, cause supposedly the stories you didn't start. Yeah. You didn't start singing until this band. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is the first band I've been the in. The story says you were drunk and you, somebody asked you to to, uh, to start singing it. In, in well, the, the story band. is close. I okay. was drunk. <laughs> uh, but I had told Tim, I, I had known that these guys had been kind of playing. And actually, for that matter, uh, Jared had been one of my closer friends for, I mean. Was it sixth grade? Some uh, of that? Sixth yeah. grade, Middle probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he had been doing the band stuff. He was in quite a few bands, um, and those were kind of my group of friends. So I was going mm-hmm. to all their shows mm-hmm. growing up. Um, and then, yeah, so so I, I don't know. We were at a party, and I told Tim, our manager, uh, who was also kind of – I've known him since sixth grade. So I told him that I wanted to try out for his brother's band, and it was kind of just like, yeah, we'll, we'll see or whatever. And woke up the next day, called Pat. I actually called you that night, and I did not believe you because, like, I mean, the th- thing is, like, for for me, is like I always saw John as a guy who was on the baseball team and friends, you know, with just with, to, with all with all the bands, but didn't even like have any interest in in playing music. Well, and, yeah, and I, he calls me. I was just like, shut up! Like you, like, you're just <laughs> you're just messing with me. Like you're not. And then I, 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 met, I met John that the summer before mm-hmm. this. Uh, in California. Pat's parents go to a beach house every summer, and I went with him one time, and John came out. And so I met him there. And then Pat called me the next day and was like, John wants to try out singing. And I was like, what? Like, no way. Like, yeah, so I got, I, I went over to Pat's house. He, I, I had an acoustic. I played a song not very well, and he recorded it. and Went and brought it to the other guys', other guys houses. And like literally the second I, I heard him sing, I was like, this is going to be something something special. How good of a singer were you, like naturally? I don't know. I I, I feel like I, I always had a decent idea or concept for melody and um, you get pitch and you, get you know when these guys would practice, I would go sit in on some of their practices and goof around on on microphones. I, mean, it, it, I remember it, it, doing like a Finch cover, but like, like in, I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. it almost kind of started with you goofing like, off, like, like almost doing like like impressions. Yeah, exactly. Like, he, he would just like do a good job at doing whatever this guy's voice, you know, and then like kind of. 
But prior to that, I mean, I I think I adopted my musical kind of passion through through my family, and um, you know, I looked up to my cousins immensely growing up, and they were all you know cool rock guys with guitars and. You know, they listened to Rage Against the Machine, and I wasn't allowed to listen to that stuff. Were they in stuff. bands? What was the deal? Yeah, they, they were all in bands. Um, and so even if they weren't, they were going to be, or, you know, it, whatever whatever it was. But, um, you know, my cousin, I remember playing, like, Smoke on the Water. He, learned, he taught me how to play Smoke on the Just that bass line. Sure. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, so I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So naturally, I asked my folks for a guitar. And when I turned 12, they got me a guitar for Christmas. And... Um, Jared and I would kind of send beats back and forth. We used to like program silly, like <laughs> fruity, know, loops, fruity loops, back in the fruity loops days. And we would play video games and uh, at night, and we would play online. And then we'd send, you know, goofy beats back and forth <laughs> with like silly vocals. And um, so yeah, I guess you know we we started this whole thing, and we wanted to go out on the road and. Jared was kind of the next in line. Kennedy or Kennedy Kennedy's was the next, the next in line, and then we mm-hmm. were going on tour that summer and um, asked Jared to join. Mm-hmm. And Jared, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess I got started. My family played kind of a, a, a role in me getting started with the guitar. I uh, I had an older cousin who I like looked up to immensely, and he was a huge Metallica fan. You're saying like your Metallica. brother, right? Yeah, it's funny that Metallica is kind of responsible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he S and M, yeah, he he was starting to learn the guitar and he's getting pretty good at it. And, uh, you know, he was sitting, he was actually staying with my parents cause his, his family had moved out of town. So he's living with us. And he came into my room one night with his guitar and he was like showing me these songs that he learned. And I was like, Hey, that's pretty cool. Like I would love to you know try that. So he taught me them and he was like, you know, you're probably not going to remember these when you wake up, you're just going to forget that I just showed you this or whatever. And so when he went to bed, I just went and grabbed his guitar and I just sat there and I remember like playing all night and playing all night. And then he woke up in the morning and I showed him that I could still do it. And he, I, I remember how like how stoked he was. And that was when I kind of realized that that was something that I could maybe try as a hobby or whatever, you know. So I uh, ended up in like a, a jazz band in my middle school. That was like the first thing I did. And then uh, I didn't have any like training or any lessons. And I had to read sheet music, which I didn't know how to do. So um, there's this other guitar player in my class who could read sheet music. And I would watch what he was doing. And then I would just kind of like, you know, watch his fingers or whatever. And then by the time it would come to like perform the songs, I would just kind of play from memory. So that's kind of how, how I learned my way around the guitar. My, you know, my technique is all off and stuff at this point, but I just, you know, it was kind of just watching and observing. So, uh, played in a few bands, uh, in middle school, a little like punk cover bands at first with my buddies, uh, ended up in a ska band for a brief moment. Uh, that got weird. You you obviously had classical training. <laughs> yeah. And checkered vans. Oh, yeah. Okay. Checkered vans. Checkered. Oh, you lived it. Oh, yeah. With the Sharpie, too. I can, you can't buy With that. The <laughs> I didn't know that. You were, you were cred. Yeah. That's so, the real deal. So, you know, we I did that for a while. And then in high school, started <clears throat> kind of uh, playing with the original guys that I was with. Um, we had, like, three different band names. Uh, we were... <laughs> Our first band was called Bad Motivation, and then it ended up. Was being, that the ska band? No, no, the ska band. Because that actually is a ska band name. It, Bad it, Motivation. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Afternoon Special was the ska band. Uh, okay. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> right. Just through the ringer of all kinds of weird, you know, shit that we were doing. I so. named, and then I named their the la- the the last band that he was in, Kill Courtesy. It was John's I, creation. That yeah. was, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> that was, Alliteration. That, that, yeah. was my, that was my fault. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. 
<laughs> and then, uh, so yeah, after, after high school, um, you know, going off towards college, I think a lot of us started to realize like it was time to kind of get serious with the school aspect of things. So, um, I actually had just stopped playing guitar completely after I, I graduated and had just finished my first year of college and I wasn't doing so hot at all. I, I think I failed like half my classes and stuff. And what did you, uh, what were you trying to major? It was business. It was real general. I don't even, you know, I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> just a he general, a just Halo. general just business. I'm here. Just Majoring yeah, I'm here. in Halo. Just little business over yeah. here, a little business there. I'm here for the wow. yeah. um, I do business. So, so yeah, so I was, um, I had listed all my gear basically on, on eBay to, to sell my guitar and my you know piece of shit amp that I had at that time. And then um, I had known that these guys had started you know practicing and they had already had a show or two. And uh, I had heard that one of the members was going to quit. And then I think that happened. That was when Kenny when, joined. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of, it kind of sparked, you know, me wanting to get back into music. But then when I found out that Kenny got it, I was just like, all right, well, maybe it's not going to happen. But then the other guitar player um, backed out of the situation. So uh, thankfully these dudes asked me and they asked me before I sold all my gear, which was great. And so I was able to take it all down from, you know, eBay or whatever. And we went on tour. So that's my, that's my story. Uh, for me, I, I, um, I guess my my older brother probably got me most into music. You know, he he would make different mixtapes and stuff for me. Um, we he didn't live uh, at the same house as my family, so he would always be in contact with me and showing me new bands and songs that he liked. And um, when my parents were when I was still kind of young enough, where my parents would kinda, I guess censor some of the music that I listened to, um, he would show me things and uh, give me records and uh, things like. Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, he gave me like a door um, when I was still pretty young, and I remember he was like, "Just please don't show your mom this." And so that that I think kind of um, sparked a lot of my um, liking for even the style of music that I'm into now. Um, it was kind of along the lines of things he was showing me. Um, so I guess like in third or fourth grade, I I played uh, drums for a year or so. And Wait, what? <laughs> I didn't know about that. And it was basically just like snare drum. Um, it really wasn't <laughs> anything like it was, it was just in it's just in the band. It was just in the school Super band. So I was like, I was it was everybody pretty much couldn't do anything in the band. So it was uh, you know it was. And then, um, yeah, so it was probably super obnoxious for my parents, and I I did not continue playing drums. Um, Oh but a few years later, I, I was playing drum. <laughs> yeah, drum. I just stopped playing drum. <laughs> um, so after I was finished with my drum career, uh, I I I kind of was talking with uh, friends of mine who are actually in the band The Somerset now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Stephen and John uh, grew up grew up like right down the street from me. So all throughout middle school and high school, we were uh, real good friends, and we were always talking about doing stuff uh, with bands and. I didn't really ever pick up an instrument, and so I really wanted to sing for the band. Um, and actually, I did. I did play guitar, I guess, for like a slight bit, but I did. I couldn't really play. It was we were trying to cover songs, and it wasn't really something I, I really picked up. And anyway, that that band kind of got kickstarted, and I I was singing for it. Um, and basically, uh, we just had some differences in where we wanted to go musically, and. Uh, I didn't really uh, feel like I should be in the group anymore, um, and so I actually at the, around the same time I had been hanging out with uh, Pat and Garrett. We had had a show our bands together, um, so you know I had I'd just been hanging out with them a lot. And right when that was happening, um, 
Pat was showing me the first demos that uh, these guys had up on their Hollywood Mourns uh, fake MySpace page. Um, and Pat's, you know, asking me, you know, what I think about the songs. And I was so excited about it. And basically, I went to one of the early shows that they had, like maybe the second show. Um, we uh, went to Vegas and opened for the cab mm-hmm. a long time ago. So, yeah. so like the day before and you went to Vegas, you had the show in Arizona yeah. at the And then we asked the Kenny to come to do, to do merch, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and our guitar player um, at the time was like freaked out. Um, basically what happens, like the... Yeah, you had, you had, uh, were these, these uh, I, I was named, uh, there was Ryan Osterman yep. and Alex Ross. It was Alex. Yeah. It was Alex. It, 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 was, it was, Alex. was Alex. Yeah. Just like, basically he like freaked out at the, sh- at the show because the, um, cab was going to have to pay us out of their guarantee. Um, and I told him that we, we, we didn't have to ca- have to get paid. Like it's, it's fine. Like it, it was, it was, it was a good opportunity for us to play. Like, don't, don't take them the, the money out of your pocket. And the good, the guitar player took like a. A sharpie behind the merch table and like chucked it out. Yeah, me. I was actually um, witnessing that and just got like pissed at me and like rock and roll gets real <laughs> with a sharpie. So, yeah. Yeah. so we just we decided at that moment that he shouldn't be in the band anymore. Um, and Kenny just kind of happened to be there. Yeah, uh, you know, you know, they started saying, you know, hey, would you want to play guitar for the band? And I was like, well, I I don't really play guitar, so I you know, and basically um, when we got home after that trip. Uh, I went home and picked up my dad's nylon acoustic that I had maybe touched once in my life and uh, started trying to learn songs that they had and uh, came to Pat and Garrett and was they were convinced that if I could convince uh, the other guitarist, Ryan, that I was good enough to play the songs that I could be in the band. Did you start the dad's nylon thing? I was uh, going to throw something like that. Like, yeah, yeah, wearing sad. nylon? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, sorry. You ruined his story. Yeah. I sorry. had like something about to come, and I was there. waiting for you to finish. Sorry. <laughs> uh, was that gig in Vegas? Was that was that Hollywood Mourns? Talk about no. this whole thing. No, no, that, that was that just wasn't so, no. Okay, that was the main. That was the main. That yeah. was the main. So yeah. I was going to ask you that. What was the first official main show? What, the what, first official main show was January twenty first at the Real, Real bar, bar with. Um, I was going to ask about that. Like, yeah, Providence. I was that, there. That date. What With, was the significance um, of that date? Yeah. Ann Arbor. Two thousand seven. Right. Right. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Um, we. Oh, we opened. It was a um, Sunday. Yep. Band called Ann Arbor. Okay. Arizona. Sure, Ann Arbor. Um, who Tim used to used to work with at the at the time, and then this um, this this Providence who Tim was their tour manager. Brighton. Brighton. And. Uh, I guess that's it. Last or oh, it was oh, last call and, and last call. Last no, call. they didn't. No, 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 we, they no, were the no, night we before. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the night. raining and okay because, because you yeah. last call for Camden was you. right. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, where was that show at? The real bar. A place called the real, the real bar. bar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and so what was the uh, okay uh, before we get into let's talk about talk about just let's get the Hollywood Morning stuff out on the table and get okay. that over with. Let's talk about that. <laughs> there's uh, really not much, no, there's right? Not much. <laughs> like your fake MySpace page and, and go on. Okay, no. Um, <laughs> the Hollywood Morns was was just a band that I was in um, okay. for like a year um, with some with some guys from school. Seemed like a lot longer. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, and then so I quit that that band to join the Kerosene Kids with uh, Garrett and Tony. the original guitar player. Ben and Ben and Ryan, and then Tony Pizzuti, who's from in Word, Word Alive. Alive. Word Alive, and we are in like a post-hardcore kind of thing. Um, and we are in a band. We were that that band for a while, and then we decided we didn't want to play as like hardcore <laughs> music anymore. So we got a new name, and we changed our name 
to the season's premiere and the season's company season's company and mm-hmm. um that basically is what became the main hmm. we went on tour actually my my, my dad um went and got an, got an rv and us in ann arbor went in an rv and my dad dr- 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 drove us around and we toured the band called the uh, scene aesthetic and danger radio mm-hmm. um and that, that was like we were like 15 yeah we couldn't drive so my <laughs> Wild my, Bill. My dad took us around, and like the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the awesome part about it is like <laughs> we were so young, but so like we we're, like, were embarrassed to have my dad out, you know. So, so, so you park down the street and you walk up. Yeah, the no, quite we, literally park down the street, and then Tim would like go and drive like the last like 100 feet or something. So messed up. Get out of here, Bill. My dad would just have to spend the, Put the, the whole beard day. On. Put the beard on. Right? <laughs> my uh, dad would just have to spend the whole day just in like whatever town just walking around. Like, like, oh my like, gosh. W- w- one time he, he went and rented a bike um, off, off a homeless guy um, <laughs> so he could like go explore a little bit. Wild Bill. Uh, yeah. So that wow. band kind of <laughs> fell apart. Our, our, uh, six degrees, our, dude. Our, six our, degrees to the main. Yeah, our, Hollywood warns. <laughs> singer quit. <laughs> our, our singer quit. Um, and then that's when we got John. Kind of. like well, There's a big gap where he didn't do anything. There's a blur. John. Basically, we all just did a bunch of bullshit. And then the band. <laughs> 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 we were all going through puberty. and. Uh. You actually, Jared, you brought it up. How many of you guys can't read sheet music still? Uh, five, out five. Five, <laughs> five out of five. Five out of five. So, you know, because that's, you go to go take guitar lessons, and that's like, right mm-hmm. that, like, you know, that's what you got to do. But, okay, so debate that. You're, you're now, you're, you're, let's just say I'm a guitar teacher, and I'm like, you have to understand sheet music. You have to be able to read music. I don't necessarily think there is a debate. Um, it's, it's like, I'm a Republican, so you have to be a Republican, you know? Okay. It, I just think that, I mean, some of my favorite bands, even now, like you listen to the music and it doesn't even make sense. Like, like the I, chord, I, I the just chords aren't even it, chords, makes it special. but that's what's play awesome. It like jazz musicians would because you just feel it more than you ever. I think for us, you know, it, 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 I don't think there is an argument for, for or against. I think just for this dynamic, for whatever reason, we've been able to, to do it for seven years or six and a half years and I, you know so fortunate to have had the opportunity to work at our craft and work at, you know, kind of working towards being a band and, and kind of seeing how we all fit in that dynamic, yeah. um, as opposed to, you know, reading sheet music and playing with your sister's friend. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, think, I, think, I think there's a... <laughs> all right. Whatever that means. I kind of thought you were going someplace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where we can end up. <laughs> Yeah. I was just trying to read. I was trying to think of a scenario where I'd be playing sheet music with somebody else. I just I thought kind of you're like a sister's friend. I think or... it kind of ties into the whole tape ending immediately. There so you go. There you go. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so was there ever a moment for, for any of you guys where uh, you, um, it sounds like there was already, like for two of you at least, uh, there, where you were doing something else before this band, before you joined the band, and you just kind of went, this doesn't feel right. Like something's not right, and you saw that the band was over here, and you're like, "I got to take a chance on this. I don't know where the hell is going to go, but just something feels right about it. And I'm going to go for it." Was there anything like that? That was a hundred percent what yeah, it was for me. Actually. I mean, I was, I was working at Best Buy as a as a cashier, and I, like I just felt like I had hit a dead end, like with college, like failing and all that shit, and like um, realizing that you know th- these guys were about to go on tour and they needed a guitar player. 
However, there was no like guarantee that I'd be in the band. I would just be filling in for the summer, which for me, I just wanted to get out of town really. And, and, you know, I already knew most of the dudes, so it's, it sounded like fun. Um, <clears throat> but, and you know, I, I had already heard, uh, the EP that they had put together and I was blown away. I thought it sounded awesome. Uh, I went and saw them live and all that stuff. And, you know, once we got out on the road, I realized it was something that I, I could really enjoy doing for a long time. It just felt like a nice kind of uh, release from all the other stuff that I had been going through for the past, you know, a couple of years. So, um, <clears throat> you know, just kind of crossing my fingers for that whole month that we were out, just kind of toughing it on the road. And then, you know, towards the end of it, they were like, yo, you should you know, come join the band or whatever. So for me, that was, that was a really big sigh of relief just because I was just kind of putting myself out there, you know? So I, I don't know if there was, I don't know if I can speak for you two, but, uh, for, for me, I don't think there was a sense of, urgency to get on the road i think that we were just so psyched about what we were experiencing on myspace and online and and the reactions we were getting online and the idea that we could go i think we were just so just enthusiastic and ready to 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 do anything um you know I, i vividly remember the first very first day one of the first stops the night of the drive on on out to go on tour I have a picture of it actually. Um, we were stopping in his in Garrett's parents' suburban with a trailer on the back, and we all got out and it was cold. I think we were in New Mexico somewhere, and um, you know we were all getting hungry and you know we didn't have any cash. Nobody had money. Um, we had our parents' credit card. I had as, my, you know, as like, like the last kind of like an emergency, yeah. Yeah, emergency. And I remember no all of us use. kind of looking at each other and being like. We actually talked about it today. It was yeah. like, you know, we were all like, we, dude, we could eat ramen for like the rest of our lives. And this, <laughs> could this, be our, this could be our lives. Like, it's not so bad, you know. And, you know, that was the mentality is, at, at, you know, at 17, 16, 17 years old, 18 years old, we were just excited to be doing something that none of our friends got to experience, nor will they ever. Um, you know, and it just felt, it felt right. It felt fun. It felt you know, it felt like the world was at our fingertips and, and we were ready to just go yeah, be I mean, poor and, and, and go the, play and for the nobody. Is, the you thing know? is, like, our expectations, like, of of success was, like, so small. Like, what what what, what I thought was, like, the biggest band in the world was, like, was just so small. Like, you know, like, so, like, anything beyond that, like, has just been always exceeding expectations. Well, I, I remember know? the first time going to California, um... We got to not me and Pat got to uh, didn't have to go to school that day because we were going out to meet up uh, meet up with Fearless Records, and um, it was before these two were in the band. And I remember we were supposed to leave at like nine a.m. the next morning, but none of us could sleep, and so we were just so excited. So we just left at like eleven at <laughs> night and started driving, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then we got to like the beach. And I remember all of us just like got to the beach at like six a.m. and just kind of hanging out and like so tired but like so excited and. I, I mean, I still remember that. So I, I, to answer your original <laughs> question, I don't think there was a definitive like, okay, this is it, make or break. It was just like, let's do this. But let's yeah. have fun. And I mean, let's... like we definitely like took it like pretty serious. No, absolutely. Pretty, 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 pretty serious. But like we we weren't like, if this doesn't happen, like. No, it was, it was like, once it was this just, like, summer comes around, we're going on the road and whoever's coming with us we're is coming with keep us. On, we're going to keep on doing it as, right. as, we, as long as we can. Mm-hmm. We just didn't know anything. Yeah. Like, we yeah. literally didn't know anything. So I don't anything know if, that we, in I don't our know if we've great. learned anything. Yeah. How did, who, how, what's the, what's the official story on Fearless? How did they come around? How did they find you? Um, so how did we, you find them? We we put up two songs on 
um, our MySpace page um, when we first uh, started and um, at our first show ever, um, Tim had sent out the link to a friend that worked um, at Immortal Records. Mm. Um, and he and an A&R guy came out to our first ever show, um, which was like for us was like insane. Um, so like the word kind of got around about the band like through like once one one dude you know at at an independent <laughs> record, record label heard yeah. about us. So Bob from Fearless sent Tim an email and said that he was interested in the in the band and like w- w- wanted us to come to the office and, and hang out. So so you hadn't literally played that many shows at all. We had played yeah, like, like two or three. You yeah. didn't have the first EP out at that time. We just mm-hmm. we, we just had the, the so first you two already songs. had people contacting you to sign you. And you have nothing to show for. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and the first and, guy and, and who good deal, huh? show just ripped us. He just <laughs> he just ripped us apart. He just like said that that we were bad live and all this stuff and but we, whatever. I mean, if we got Pete a Jungle out of it, free, yeah. And then they are no longer a label. <laughs> Touche. It's probably because of well, what no. Said to, to to you. In all honesty, even at even at our to to. Go along with your point. Even at our showcase shows for Fearless, there were eight seven, kids. eight kids. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was like, it's really a testament to them kind of believing in us and us kind of believing in them. And and, and you know, what was the first pieces of advice that they gave you? Oh, man, I mean, I don't really remember like much advice. I think like they like a big thing was like they just like said that they want us to continue to do what we do but and for them to like help 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 it out Mm -hmm. um but like they were like into all the things that we were doing on on the internet and the songs we were writing all that stuff so at that time i I don't think we were kind of looking for not looking for advice but but having open ears Uh, i think we were just trying to consume it all all in yeah uh trying to consume it all at once very very rapidly um but they uh, did convince us to record the way we talk EP, and we were our idea was to just go right right to an album, um, and that I think ended up being a big thing mm-hmm. because we had like an extra little buffer, eight or nine eight or nine months of time to like go out on the road and then go record it. Right mm-hmm. So, so um, you guys get signed pretty fast, and um, how how was the reaction to your friends back home that were in, like in the bands that you know you guys were hanging out with and stuff like that? I mean, like, where's where where's you know? There's two types of communities. There's a community that's supportive and like, yeah, man, and then there's a community that's like jealous and they're like, what WTF? I think there was like a little bit of both. Yeah, um, yeah I, I mean, the little... thing is, it's like we weren't necessarily a part of like a scene mm-hmm. um, because we we only like we we played like in our career we played m- 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 more more shows in. Houston, t- Texas, then we played in Arizona. You know, like, we played, like, maybe five or six, like, lo- local shows b- before we started touring. So, like, we didn't ever, like, really get, like, kind of the local band thing, you know? I like, think it differs from person to person, too, because yeah. mm-hmm. all of us, like we said, come from different spots in Arizona. So, it, it was, you know, while Jared and I were, were close, that was kind of how Pat and Garrett were, and Kennedy was kind of the the oddball from Scottsdale, but also friends with these guys before any of us had ever met him or Jared and I had met him. So Kennedy had his friends in uh, Last Call and, and which is now the Somerset and these guys were all friends with Ann Arbor and uh, our friends, Jared and I, uh, they had all just been really supportive because they were done with music and mm-hmm. they were all going to college. So 
for me and on our end, I think we both were just kind just of filled up from that. I felt like, you know, yeah, it was such yeah. a cool feeling to really have. Really pumped up. You know, all, yeah. Like you always want to be like kind of reminded that what you're doing is, is the right thing, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, and having all of our friends kind of uh, back what we were doing, plus knowing that we had the potential to be signed <clears throat> or that we were signed. Um, I just remember being on a snowboard trip with the college uh, with Arizona state and we had got the mixes for Daisy and the town's been talking and I played, I mean, we were all, you know, getting drunk and having fun in Colorado and I got them and I was super nervous because I didn't want to play them because I hadn't heard them. So I didn't want to show anybody in case that, you know, I was going to be embarrassed or whatever. Um, but they were all super supportive and, and that just kind of goes to show where I think we, where we're from and, you know, where our roots lie and, and kind of the support that we've constantly got, you know, received over the years. So I think for, for me at least, I kind of had a feeling of not wanting to show people because I always showed my friends new bands and new music I was doing. And at that point, I was just like, well, I'm just going to let it. I'm not going to really talk about it. Mm -hmm. And that was like kind of how I went about it. Yeah. I mean, cause like things kind of started to, 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 to happen for us kind of quick. So we didn't like want to like make it jinx it. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and make it seem like a thing where we're like trying to like, like brag about the fact that we just got signed to a record label or something right. like, like what we just kind of kept, kept their heads down. It was, kept, yeah. Kept it was kind of like, that's doing our work thing. harder now. was mm -hmm. kind of the, the whole mentality. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so, uh, just to go back slightly. Um, so when we go around the uh, the table here, describe the type of person you were in high school. <laughs> like, wh who was your clique? Wh who, what were you like? Were you introverted? Were you shy? Were you, were you really good in English? Do you suck at math? I uh, go ahead, man. I, what was it? If I heard something like your mom had to finish school for you. Or something. Uh, What's that whole story about? That was because she, was, she got to finish. She, she got. She was. Yeah, she was allowed to. Basically, what um, what happened is me and Garrett finished high school a semester uh, or early, so so we could go record the first uh, album. Got it. And I had an English English class and like some 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 other uh, other other class I was supposed to do online, but I was supposed to do it as we were recording the album, and I just didn't have time or didn't want to do it so my uh mom did it for ah, me okay <laughs> you wouldn't have done it anyway nah yeah All she right. saved your ass okay so that's been but, clarified now yeah. okay go on um, so high school i mean you hung out in the library yeah i hung out in the library on our myspace page and t t talk talk to kids all over the the country about our band i i got like really like i get really hyper like focused on things where like if i'm into skateboarding at the time, I like that's all I focused about. And once the band thing started to happen, that's that's what I was doing too. Like I, I just like wanted to get out of school and do this band. So um, that was kind of my. I didn't I didn't care like about school. I got only D's like <laughs> the last. I, I guess all all through high school, and I just told my parents like I'm gonna be in this band and I'm just gonna get by and. For some reason, they allowed that. They, they, allowed. they allowed it. I, I don't your know. Your best grades were probably your mom's. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I would hope so. Um, I hung out with like I had like a couple friends that I hung out with a lot. Um, they were all into like the same kind of music I was into. Um, uh, school wise, I kind of the same way. I, I I had to do a little bit better. I had to get at least C's to be in the band. Um, but to actually graduate early, there is this class where you needed a job. It was called Hero. 
and you'd get a bunch of credits just for having a job. But I didn't want to have a job. Um, so actually, thanks to school, I learned how to use Photoshop. And you pretended I, that you worked for Tim, right? Yeah, I pretended that I worked for our manager, I mean, and you, I you made did. fake pay stubs. And it's probably like a federal offense, right? <laughs> Whatever. I'm out of it now. Um, and instead, I worked 16 hours a week for Tim, and I turned him in, and I passed the class, and that's how I graduated early. <laughs> yeah, you could thank probably you. get a pilot's license too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. All sorts of things you could get. What yeah. was that movie? Just with uh, Photoshop. Mesquite uh, High School is coming after you now, man. <laughs> Good. Bring it on. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I played baseball like pretty much all my life until the end of high school. Um, what was your position? Uh, I played shortstop. Um, Which was also your nickname. Yeah. <laughs> shortstop. Uh, yeah, that was short stuff. Uh, short stuff. <laughs> no. Uh, so, so before high school had started, um, I went to middle school with Jared, and I ended up having to go to a different high school than Jared and, and all the friends that I'd made in middle school. Um, but while I was in middle school, I was also playing sports with kids that I would eventually go to high school with. So I had uh, kind of two groups of friends that I had to kind of balance between and, you know, would get shit from both sides if I was going to hang with one, you know, because the rivalries between schools or, I don't know, whatever stupid shit that kids get into. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I got pretty good grades. I was pretty, uh, my parents were pretty stern about getting good grades. And, um, I don't know. I was introverted, I guess, when it came to like, you know, people I didn't know, um, kind of shy around chicks and, you know, uh, but around my friends, I feel like I was pretty outgoing and kooky and Zane brain and wild. <laughs> Zane brain. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that I, was kind of my. I we kind of had we kind of ran with the same kids uh, mm -hmm. until John went off to uh, a different high school. But you know, I I stayed with and I'm still best friends with um, everyone that I met basically in middle school. So high school was a breeze. I mean, we didn't really <clears throat> stick out much. I was I, I I've outside the group. I I would consider myself an introvert. I uh, especially in high school, it was just you know it, it was like this comfort zone to be with your best friends and and uh, you know so. And even now, it's almost like, you know, I've been in like this fraternity for like, you know, 10 years or whatever. It's been 12 years. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I didn't, I wasn't very outgoing in high school. Got I guess it's it's grades. really strange, though, because in high school, who is really outgoing? You know, like, right. there's not one, I mean, there might be one kid that probably thinks that he's friends with everybody but everybody probably looks at that kid like he's a dick anyway you know what i mean so it's like i think everybody you just fall into like who you hang with and and it's not like you don't want to hang with everybody it's just you feel comfortable around well, people and that's and a that's a crucial point in shaping who you are absolutely. as a person i feel like when you when you're in your you know your adolescence and and you're you're learning about new things or you know your your mindset changes you know i i was brought up like in a family that thinks one way and my friends might be thinking somewhat differently. And so, you know, you start to identify with these, mm -hmm. these people and it kind of really played a huge part in who I ended up becoming. So, you know, that, I feel like that was a really important part. And, uh, you know, just the fact that we're all, we all stayed such close friends. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you know cool I mean, you, you guys, this group of friends was so close that even when I started joining the group around my, probably my senior year, that, that whole year, like when I started coming over to hang out with Tim and these guys, like, 
I instantly became friends with a lot of people and was instantly taken in and I didn't know any of them. And there's, and Jared kind of mentioned it's like a big fraternity. It's a, it's a huge group of friends that are all very close. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was really, really cool for me right around the tail end of high school. Like I felt like I, I attained a lot of friends. So can't stop, won't stop. <clears throat> um, you guys had done the EP at that point. By the time you started recording, when you start, you start writing that record, were you, were you writing that record on your first few tours already? Were any parts of that record like around from the very beginning, and then they finally kind of ended up on? Yeah, there? yeah. I was writing just like Garage Band stuff, or probably even prior to that. I, I had my parents bought me a, a desktop Mac for college, and that's what I used to kind of demo out all my all the stuff on. Um, and it was really like, you know, simple programmed stuff and there'd be maybe an acoustic and, you know, I would enhance the timing of the acoustic so that it sounded on time. But in reality, it sounded like it was <laughs> played by a robot and sang by a robot because or sung by a robot because I would hit the the tune correct button or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, there was stuff that I had had. And, uh, and I remember yeah. kind of sitting in Pat's living room going over like a CD of kind of the demos that we had had and. Um, it was, it was just kind of a, a thing where we really didn't know what we were doing, we just, you know, just kept on writing. Yeah. And, and we didn't know, we, you know, in our heads, I think we thought we had had an album probably way earlier than we ended up, you know, really having Can't Stop Done. Um, it wasn't really until that first day in pre-production with Matt Squire where we were kind of, you know, like taken aback by... We're not yeah. ready. We're not <laughs> yeah, ready. Yeah. And, and we have to really, this is crunch time, and, and pre-production is when we are yeah. kind of solidifying everything. And Luckily, he kind of jumped into the trenches with us, though. Mm -hmm. and we spent, you know, yeah. we'd be in that room, that pre-pro room for 10 hours a day. Mm -hmm. Or more. Or more. Yeah. And, you know, he, he did push us. It, it was like, you know, okay, you guys clearly don't have everything that you need. And he would do th little things like, okay, I'm going to leave when I come back. You need to have a song written in three, four or this or that. So it was the first time where we had actually been challenged, especially with someone outside of the band. Um, and, and, and not only that, but somebody challenging us, f you know, coming from a place of high regard in our opinion, you right. know, we, he had made, you know, that panic out, the big panic album. He made that boys like girls album. He made that cute is what we aim for album. So we were all, he made that North star album. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, yeah, that was, yeah. that, was, that, that was, for me that first, was incredible. Yeah. So was there a lot of performance anxiety coming from you guys? Because you're, you're working with him. You're like, Oh shit, we don't want to look like idiots. I, I'm, yeah. I'm sure I mean, there was, I, I, I think it was just like overall, just, like, just taking not a knowing in. like how you actually recorded a record. Like, Again, I think it kind of coincides with what I said. Like, you know, we were trying to consume it all at, at once. It was a giant, like, exp you know, brand new experience for us you know not not only being signed to the label but working with somebody super talented and and such a big name right off the bat it was uh and that, well and that and that person is taking swings at these things that you've crafted you know what yeah. I mean? but that's their job but we producer. but we at that he said, yeah yeah on the, on, the, on the first day he said this song makes me want to blow my head off <laughs> he actually didn't use those words he said he this song makes me want to Oh, and then he put a, an imaginary gun to his head. <laughs> more subtle, yeah, yeah, very subtle, very subtle. But yeah, so at yeah, that point, it, 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 like, it was more tactful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it actually hurt more. Yeah. Miming yeah. can be really effective. Back to the three-four thing is like at yeah. that point, I don't even know if any of us knew what that was. I think we spent the first thirty minutes after he left trying Disgusting. to figure out what he meant by yeah. that. 
So and that's the first thing he walked in the room. To, I tried to try to argue about it. Yeah. No, it's this. No, no, no. no. It's so it means one, two, three, four, one, three, four, four. <laughs> he walked in the room and that's what he said. And he's like, I have to go fix my phone. And he left for like and then he, <laughs> four hours. We were, oh, yeah. we, and, then he, and then he called us and he said, you guys have something. And yeah, yeah, Jared yeah, yeah, just picked phone. up his guitar and we're like, yeah, I think. And he's like. Okay, let me hear it. We put on speaker and he played some shit in three four and he's like, "All right, cool, that sounds cool." Yeah, that's what the song came back and we had two chords. Yeah, and you thought the life of a producer was difficult. Yeah, (laughs) that song made the record too. That's crazy. Yep. So, so in other words, recording with a very high profile producer when you don't know what you're doing is kind of like you know trying to cheat on a math test. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. But I remember a huge thing of what he. I remember him saying was that it needs to be diverse uh, the yeah. whole album and i think that ended up helping us so yeah. much for what we were gonna do just because maybe we people thought we sounded a certain way but you know there's songs like we'll all be on there that have kind of a twang to it that i feel like helped us kind be- of bridge to the, the next the, record and that we, that we are now so um for this for the songs that were the hits on that record that the ones that the fans fell in love with and embraced so much um how did they come about? Like, do you remember? Do you remember when they were birthed? I or was I, it somebody added one thing and something. Came? I remember writing, uh, like I remember writing into your arms, and into your arms you got, had a. You got a call. I, I'm. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm like I remember you gave me a call afterwards. But you talked to John Janik from Feel by Ramen, and he said that all of our songs are upbeat. And the, and and they all sound the same, and then you you wrote into your arms. I'm almost positive. I, I have a I he, he, crazy memory. He has his feelings, you know. At that, but, but, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't. I mean, yeah. that very well probably yeah. happened. But I remember writing what became into your arms, and and the chorus was completely different. Which how did it go? <sighs> I want no, uh, it was oh no, da da yeah. da da. It was called da, da, oh no. Da, yeah. it, it was a. Uh, oh no. It wasn't as strong. It it just wasn't. Bottom line, and Matt uh, Squire had kind of told us that how, how he felt about it, and it was we the fought, last we fought that we for did a while. yeah, and yeah. The, and then the last day of of pre production, we kind of came up with something Got that it. stuck. We were like, in um, the but I remember like girls do what they want. I remember writing in the back of the van. I, I remember that so clearly suburban. in my brain. Yeah, too. Suburban, yeah. A lot of songs I can trace back to being in the back of the van and John playing it or, you know, we finished, mm-hmm. you know, kind of polishing a, a chorus or whatever and like having that oh shit moment like, oh, wow, that's, you know, that's funny. We part, said that for that song. I remember that. The funniest like, part about Girls Do What They Want is is I kind of adopted the, the general theme from a, a hardcore rapper named Project Pat. <laughs> And Project Pat is associated with Three Six Mafia, but like the Memphis Ten side of Three Six Mafia, like the real hood. Like, so, anyways, he, one of his records opens up with like uh, this talking skit, and at the very end of this fifty-second skit or whatever, it says, "Men do what they want, boys do what they can." And I started to think about that and put it into a context where I could actually understand. Because I'm not from the hood and I don't understand, you know, I, I get what he's what he was saying, but it made more sense being in college at the time or prior to that, um, kind of the way that that at least here in the states women are viewed and however, you know, however people feel about that that that's their own thing, but it it really resonated with me 
saying girls do what they want, boys do what they can. Um, and I just remember bringing that lyric to, to Jared and he... That was the oh shit moment. Yeah, that was yeah. like, you know, he played a riff and I just sang that line over it and that ended up becoming that song. But there were, there so was, well. you know, specific, there've been specific times, I think throughout the writing process where well, either all have, you know, the epiphany by myself and then right away call everybody and... Or more subtly, or, or and and then the opposite. You know, we'll be sitting in a room together and kind of feel something. And we'll all be. Yeah, I remember. I was just that was sing. like the first thing you did, right? When mm -hmm. you started singing. Mm -hmm. That was yeah, one of the first songs I yeah remember, yeah remember talking about with the mm -hmm. maybe even being in California and sitting in that hotel room. Um, was that around the time we were waiting for those couple days? Going just outside yeah, of the, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, that that was the that I guess that would have been the first, the first song, song ever, that yeah. I ever wrote. Um, and it was actually around the time that right after I had kind of uh, tried out. Yeah. And there was a band um, from Texas called Terminal. And Travis, the singer, ended up becoming the singer of Goodbye Tomorrow, um, which I w we were all in love with. And Travis was a dear friend of ours. And I really looked up to him, like, beyond, you know, just really, really kind of enthused about how he went about things and the way he sang. Well, anyways, he was playing. We were all really, you know, in a different state of mind one night <laughs> and uh, playing guitar in uh, a buddy of ours' garage. And Travis was playing one of his songs and, and I was singing with him. And it was like, you know, for me, it was like super like emotional for me. Uh, then a friend of mine, Eric from a rocket to the moon came in and we were all like, you know, just super like drunk and like, I love you, bro. And, um, <laughs> we started singing a line and, and the song, the line that we started singing was, we all have been degraded. We all will be the greatest. And then it honestly was like a fucking movie. Like all my friends came in and like, you know, people were singing this line and like, I don't know where it, it was like kind of cult, cult like cultish it was like everybody had drank some punch and we were all about to like <laughs> commit it in the garage <laughs> and but i had told i had told everybody from that like that point i was like i'm going to use that in a song and it ended up being the last lyric that fades out to the wow. to the end of the album so you know there were and and have been since those kind of moments where you know everybody just kind of feels something and uh you don't really question it it just it's the oh shit moment yeah do you ever feel was there a do you remember uh any of the any of the songs in that record that you know the fans sing along with the other crowds that were different that like the original line was this but it got changed to what it is now do you remember the original lines if there was anything like that yeah there was in uh count of one two three right there's two different versions of the bridge in that song mm -hmm. yeah there uh -huh. is right one. and and travis actually the guy that the, yeah, he about. actually sang it on the original, the original song, <clears throat> the original version that we did. Um, but but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm sure that there's lines that they started a certain way and and mutated to something else. Um, nothing that really sticks out other than the count. Yeah, that one that one sticks out. I mean, and we, this is we the played end. that one both versions too. Kind of changed. I don't remember what it what it was, but I guess but I guess I guess for, I mean, for us we've always, always been uh, oh, we've okay. always been. Uh, the, the type to to not ever consider it, you know, finalized until it's kind of recorded and out. So, hmm. you know, for us, I think it's always susceptible to change prior to the public hearing it. Okay, so we do 
<clears throat> two music breaks. We're going to do one of them now. Um, so let's, uh, what we do is we pick two songs um, by two different artists. Um, so I'll give you the theme, and then you guys pick the song. And we just need two songs. Um, okay, so here's the first one. Give me the, give me the song that um, you guys were, would probably would have been the, the, the band Van song. That when you guys, your first few tours, that was you, it was like you just played it all the time. Like, what? That was the song. Weatherbox. Trip in Weatherbox? Yeah. 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 Probably Weatherbox. Trip in the Life. Trip in the Life. Fantastic. Fantastic. No doubt. Why yeah. that, why that yeah. song? Why that one? I don't know. We all. It was just like, uh, a, I, was I, a, had, <laughs> I had like instantly that dude, like, song that, like changed like how I that record, thought about that things, record like, was a musical awakening I well think, it not only that know. but the content in which he's singing about it was like it all kind of swirled line. around this existentialism that we were all like experimenting <laughs> with and it was like you know god and is he real I don't know and you know we have this kid that's our age singing about the things that we're thinking about and yeah, for, for me, that's why it uh, felt it was, it was so. It's it just such hit a, home. Yeah. Such, a, yeah, such a huge song in, in my life. I don't know that one, and I, uh, that's just we just want oh, yeah. one, yeah, right? Just right, oh, right. Okay. right? So right. now the second one, um, let's pick it from. Um, <clears throat> let Let's pick it from your uh, from from uh, the first album, and let's pick the song that. Um, you guys probably collectively feel most proud of considering where you guys were as a band and everything squire was putting down on you and rising to the occasion like you came out and you go like that we we are professional now i would say, uh, I would I say think it's will well, be oh be. I, Ooh, I was gonna I was say gonna... give me anything that's or no what's on. what that's <laughs> what's the all right so that's not you're the song that we never listened to. What's that song? You're thinking of um, you left me. You left yeah, me. You left really? Me. No, 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 no. no. Whoa, no. Well, the record, that's yeah. our least favorite song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't think I've ever went back and listened. to that I song. haven't listened to that song nope. in six and a half, seven years. Yeah. So officially, the song is "We All Be." We'll yeah, all be. We'll all be. Yeah. And why? I mean, it it has ups and downs and peaks and valleys and things that we had never done before. Like it, like it has like an outro like an extended outro and, and like, has a swing and, and, to it and like where the instrumentation is a, like yeah i think it was just a lot, lot more like organic mm -hmm. and there's the most pe forward there's pedal thinking song one, right? we've done mm -hmm. I, yeah i mean i think yeah. we even knew that the, then the, the, the verses have like trumpets yeah stuff like, and it's, like which we didn't play those <laughs> <laughs> those are fake <laughs> we had, no, no we had trumpet boys <laughs> we had trumpet. the keyboard trumpet boys came in but that's one that still even holds up now when we play you know newer songs so
the flash of a turning mirror. Let's talk about your real fears, like that you might actually be all alone. No happy heavenly home. To return to God, dispenser of judgmental pencil shavings, he's got baggies full for you. But I've got a planet packed with proof.
So your first album comes out, and did it blow up immediately? Did it feel like it blew up immediately, or did it feel like it was a long push? It felt like it was pretty consistent, I suppose. Um, but when the album came out, we were opening for Good Charlotte and for Boys Like Girls, and we were on a tour where we were, we were playing in front of three to 11,000 people a night. Yeah, so that might have had something to do with maybe How feeling it like... like it was like... It just lined up perfectly. Like It felt, it felt great. You know? yeah. I mean, we were definitely like... Very, very, very happy with how things were going, and mm. everybody, everybody at the label was like super happy. Did you guys feel though? Um, was there ever a moment on, on, you know, after the record came out, where you kind of felt, um, you know, standing on a stage in front of three, five thousand, ten thousand people, um, like, like, oh shit, I, w- I don't know if I'm up for this. I felt like it was more like, oh shit, like I've been waiting to do this you know yeah i think uh you know but it was i mean that first show that we did that was over you know three thousand people is definitely uh a new experience but i think once we dropped into I, it yeah i don't you know i don't know just, if it felt like anything but you know like being completely overwhelmed by the whole situation like you know the first night in chicago we had benji and joel from good charlotte come into our dressing room and it was like you know when we were growing up that's yeah. we were listening to Good Charlotte, so you know we were smoking cigarettes with Benji and Joel in our dressing room, like <laughs> you know, like, uh, like, <laughs> you know, shoulder to shoulder, like freaking, you know, freaking out on the inside. But I, I think at the same token, we knew that it was a great opportunity, and these five thousand or two thousand or whatever, however many people were there, they weren't there for us; they were there for everyone else but us, and it was our kind of goal. And we took the initiative to kind of capitalize on that tour. And I, I, I feel like, I, you know, I, I feel like there was never a point where we felt like we were standing on top of the mountain. I feel like it was yeah. always a constant, Climb. you know, it was our initiative to, that, that kind of continued that kind of momentum throughout. And I don't mm. think that we ever really took time to kind of, to basket you know, it, yeah. yeah, to gloat at all. It was just kind of i think we were just you know we always wanted more and seeing those bands perform every night um you know it's a pretty well-oiled machine for those guys mm-hmm. and, and for us it was it was like we were fucking wearing matching outfits at that point. yeah i mean we, <laughs> you know what i mean you know, <laughs> so for like the first half of the two okay right? yeah and then we got it but you know it, it like you know it was kind of eye-opening like going out front you know near near front of house and, and watching good charlotte play and it was just hit after hit after hit mm-hmm. and and they were playing them really well and so for us i think you know it was not only were we trying to bring this energy every night when we walked on stage but we were also trying to you know maybe subconsciously but match the musicianship that was all around us or you know? impress impress or, our peers who happened to be mm-hmm. you know people that we looked up to so yeah, yeah like i said I, I don't think there was ever a moment where we we're like fuck this is it man we're fucking doing this you know it was just so besides changing the matching outfits, um, <laughs> dropping that, what else did you change? I mean, like over, like quickly. What did you drop from your set, or like what habits did you drop in, in your in your in your show on stage? Pretty quickly, as you were around other professional musicians. It was, I mean, for me How personally, did you it? for me personally as the singer and not ever performing prior to doing, you know, this this band. It was, and it still is a constant you know, battle. It's, it's a constant kind of work in progress. I'm trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. And, you know, it, it, 
you know, our first show ever, my back was turned to the crowd the whole time. And I felt like I was going to puke and, you know, slowly but surely, you know, right after I got off the stage, I remember talking to Zach, the old singer of their band, you know, and he said, you know, don't, don't worry about it, man. It's like, you're right as you get off, you want to go back on and, and do it again. And so that, that whole summer for me was like, you know, trying to get just just look forward just get your head straight <laughs> yeah. literally and yeah. try to remember the lyrics and and, and sing as well as i sometimes could sometimes you still don't there's, there's points in your show still yeah yeah performed like to the side You're i not think fully back i it. think now it's more so just about uh, being honest and and if being honest means looking at pat and i'm playing with pat then that's what it is you know it's not a and sometimes being honest means climbing a rafter and and goofing off, you know. So okay. I th I think, uh, yeah, I think it's I don't know. It's all it's all about being comfortable at this point. Do you remember? Um, humor me for a little bit. Uh, do you remember? You know, being the singer, um, and you're the Pied Piper of an audience uh, when you're out doing three thousand people instead of you know eight kids. Um, did you learn very quickly what you had to do as a ringleader and how to capture that crowd? Because you're the opening act. You're, you're, you're one of three, right? Mm -hmm. four. 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 So you're one of four. Mm -hmm. So you have, what, half the place full. Mm -hmm. um, out of that half, ha half of those are eating. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so you're sitting there trying to not only get their attention, but also trying to corral the, you know, the sheep, so to speak. Yeah. So what, um, what, did you, what did you start learning very quickly that you had to do as a singer to grab their attention and get them to pay attention. I mean, I, I suppose the first thing is that you have a microphone and right off the bat, you have to be kind of dictating and, and, and kind of telling people whether it's, you know, put your hands in the air or whatever it is. I, I, I think what I've learned from watching other bands, what I don't want to do is be the over dramatic like this next you know this next song and <laughs> yell out the, what the next song is i've next always <laughs> i've always hated that going to shows because it's like just <laughs> either play it or just say it like a normal human you know you have a microphone it's already being amplified um so, so i don't know there, there were things and there's you know so many times when i've probably said the completely wrong thing in the wrong place and, you know, tried to be funny and wasn't. And that's every time I'm on stage, you know. Um, I think the things that I have pulled out from all of the, the experiences that we've had is just to try to be, like I said, as honest as I can. And, you know, it doesn't help that, um, you know, none of us had really experienced anything like that before. So it's... It, it's it continues to be a, a work in progress and a learning experience. And um, I think those that go to our shows now understand a little bit more that it's not going to be a, this next song is called, you know, or it's the same thing or the same thing right. every night. Right. And, right. and that's what, yeah, th uh, thank you. I mean, I, I really tried to shy away from, from being repetitive every night. Being scripted. Um, yeah. You know, although we were playing the same songs in the same set list every night, I noticed that, you know, good Charlotte, would switch it up and they would say different things and he would be more, you know, charismatic and, and have more of a personality than just, you know, look down at a piece of paper and, and say, oh, okay, now it says clap. Okay, everybody clap, you know, and, and jump, everybody jump. So 
it remains to 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 be just a learning experience and not to make not to not to put you in a position to sound egotistical or narcissistic or anything mm-hmm. like that, but um, having this conversation a lot with other musicians too. And do you think that a guitarist or a bassist or anything? No, I'm not talking about you guys here, but just in general. Um, do you think that you're kind of just born like to be a guitarist and that's that's you're really great at it? And, I, and versus, are you born like is it just in you to be a singer? I really believe be that that that. Mick Jagger was born to be Mick Jagger and I was not I was not born to be Mick Jagger I'm not Mick Jagger and nothing that I ever do no matter how I maneuver my body or you know inject whatever collagen in my lips or whatever won't ever be (laughs) Mick Jagger whereas same goes for him he'll never be me so I think that I had to I had to learn that it's okay to be who I am and not necessarily try to be someone else. And, and that's what I'm still having to, to, to learn and, and to cope with and understand that, you know, Adam Lazara from Taking Back Sunday, you know, he does things on stage that, you know, I would love to do and it gets aroused out of the crowd. And, but Adam Lazara, that's Adam Lazara, you know, and, and I, you know. But you couldn't see Adam Lazara being... Any other part in that band? Exactly. You look at William right. Beckett. He Absolutely. Be part in that Absolutely. Band. And, and and that's what I believe is that is is that I do I do believe that you're born like L- Lady Gaga said you're <laughs> born that way. You know, Lady Gaga. born this way. Madame Gaga. Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's funnier because it's so late. <laughs> 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 okay. All right. Oh, well, on man. that note, all right. <laughs> so much for that. Um, so, did you guys? When did you guys start noticing that you're that now that now you're, you're getting some popularity and kids are saying you know you, you kind of go through that first tour and you start to build up from there. So, fans will start to will start to kind of make caricatures of everybody in the band in their heads. They'll start making mm-hmm. their version of like that vision of that person. Mm-hmm. It happened all time low. It happened to a lot of bands. Fall Boy. Mm-hmm. So. If you guys could like just go around the circle, how would you describe how you think the fans of you? Because each one of you guys have your own fan base, which is awesome. How do you think that they pick, they see you? Like, what's the caricatures at this point? Yeah, I mean, I would say uh, probably like the guy that they think they can like get a response from, or they need to know some type of information. Um, Stack that. I'm like the stat guy. Um, <laughs> Put a pat for the stat. You know, I'm, uh, <laughs> I guess. So when they're sitting outside the bus, they're looking at you as the stack. Oh, no. I mean, I I, that guy's I really think... good at business. I <laughs> <laughs> no. so bet I can get some numbers out of him. <laughs> Dobis boy. Will you crunch those numbers for me? No, it's, um, Can't wait to get my hands on the tecuter. <laughs> I guess, you know, I am uh, well-connected and, you know, with, with, with them. And I talk to them a lot, so I guess. I guess maybe he's like the most approachable. Some, yeah, from the, yeah, from the outside some perspective, kind of I would say you're the cute one, the cute one, I guess, because I'm the smallest, I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> you, you would love, you love it. Yeah. You're also <laughs> self-proclaimed baby. Yeah, <laughs> baby man, <laughs> baby man, self-proclaimed baby man. Um, I don't know. Maybe the the weird guy. I might be the weird guy, like the weird quiet guy who's like in the corner painting a picture. Maybe who, who like I th- I think some some people I've you know misunderstand you for like 
being a dick. Being a, they, being a dick. I think kids, I mean, kids, kids look not at... like you're like known as an asshole, no. but like you're kind of like when it comes to talking to kids, like a little more shy kind of. Your manager's looking through the window right now laughing. <laughs> so, <yep. laughs> uh, I'll take he's that. He's not a dick. Yeah, but like, <laughs> like, you know, I guess it's kind of easy for people to misunderstand. Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah. Uh, I did a tour with my shirt off, which... Probably I get a lot of flack for. Um, Every night. Why would you get flack for that? Well, I, think. I mean, I give myself shit for doing that. Um, Why? Because it's like a wannabe Iggy Pop thing. Um, but it's stuck, and now every yeah. time you play a show, they're just <laughs> chanting for John off. to take his shirt off, and it's like... I don't know. I, I, I try to pride myself on being approachable. Um, you know, there there's not there there's nights when I just maybe don't want to go outside or just you know maybe maybe wait later till later to go out but you know when i do go out and talk to people i like to stay out and talk to anybody who stays around for as long as they're out there i I would think people know that uh if they want to have like a long converse conversation about something um that's going on or just whatever like he would he would be the the guy that they would talk to. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like just to like, pride myself just, on that. Just basically talk to John for as long as you can. Yeah, because yeah. he likes being outside. It's really cold. <laughs> yeah, then that, that's a can of worms, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, will you read my essay? Yeah. No, <laughs> my thesis. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I gotta graduate. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to like get that perspective. Like, what a fan. I, I guess. I, I, guess I guess it's easier of, for us to do it to each other. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, no, you were, I don't know. You already worse. Yeah, yeah. I, was yeah. I mean, it's, it. it's, I don't know. What, what would you say he is? Hmm. Shredder. Yeah, I mean, I do get, uh, he's, he's, like, I, I would say guys who are c- c- coming, come to a sh- show with, with a guitar in their hand and they want to get it, like, signed, they, the person that they want to talk to is Jared. You know, which, which is way better than being being the shirt off guy or the stat dude or the the dick yeah it's crazy i think i get approached by a lot of like really unlikely people that that tell me they want to play guitar we're we're like with with jared like maybe like not as many of like the fans wouldn't like like and like more of a fan that isn't like a hardcore fan maybe wouldn't know jared but a hardcore fan and someone who's you know really into i will say i will say jared has made some very like interesting friends while we've been on the road like (laughs) he's got an extensive list of like some interesting contacts in his phone does homeland security need to know about i don't say i don't think so nothing dangerous nothing dangerous i just i just interesting i make friends with i just like you know we'll we'll collectively know people that come to shows and then you know we'll then the four of us excluding jared will then know that jared has that person's contact info and be in touch with that person and so maybe that's the kind of guy you are just like a the, friend the, the, i am a friend of the people a friend John. a friend coordinator. a friend on the fringe yeah you know a friend on the fringe he's, he's on always the outside trying to pull people in. he's got the guys coming in giving him his number i got the guys coming in giving me their number that's, is that my thing all right it's late uh, moving on uh, late. kenny I think I'm, I'm pretty approachable. Uh, he's, he's stealing he's, people's he's stuff the now. Guy who is always up for a good time. Can, yeah. like, can he not? He is like always up for 
pretty much everything. Yeah, it's approachable just, as to like other bands, like Kenny, yeah, when, especially like when yeah. We there's did, always that one guy in a band. It's like all totally, the other bands go to. Totally. I initially make Kenny. make friends with a lot of people uh, right away on on the road for whatever reason. Just you know, so, so up, he also yeah. has a lot of guys coming up to him with phone numbers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we got so we got that covered, Jared. Me and Kenny are on that. <laughs> we're, we're the friend makers, I guess. <laughs> this will be my hey, friend. To be honest, and I just have to put this out there for record, and this is a little exclusive. But when we started, you know, speaking of like individual personalities, uh, really, I, are we gonna go down? We might road? as well, dude. Let's we pick each other well. to shred. No, 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 no. <laughs> this, right, well, we're gonna. Go we had, it. you know, I'm, I'm blaming Tim for that. I, we, I will JD for this. I, <laughs> <laughs> I will blame Tim for this, and but I will blame I will blame, blame I will blame us for for buying into it and going along with it and entertaining it as as well as we did. We speaking of the color. we went we went color color, color coded, coded for <laughs> before Jared was in the band, right? Yeah, this was like lucky, for a dude. brief moment in time, maybe a two and a half month period or so. W- Kennedy was the purple guy. We had uh, different colors. I was um, teal. Pat had teal. We, I don't know if we, I don't know orange. if I necessarily orange. had a color. You were the orange, orange guy. I was the orange. John was the all over print guy. Yeah, like the hoodie all over print. So you if that a, you guys were in a band, you were the clue game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for, for a short period of time, Power like, Rangers. Like, like the, 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 this is like mind you, yeah. before the way we talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, okay. So I just had to put that on record. Now, God now, damn it. Now maybe <laughs> now now maybe people will now associate those specific colors and. So we felt weird know. about that, and we all started wearing the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you're going to be seeing signs Which in the audience saying, we love you, Mr. Teal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which in retrospect, yeah, the matching uniforms was that way That was not better. really the best direction it to go after that. It was way better. Matching uni- what, what did they look like? Well, uh, I got I was exempt from having to wear a uniform. It was your idea though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I remember at the John's like, I'm gonna put all you idiots in a bunch <laughs> of stupid looking so dance. Now dance for yeah. me, boys. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the outfit was splatter vest. No, sh- no splatter uh, white, shirt. White V neck with a gold gold paint all over it. And then a vest, a black pair of pants and creative rec shoes. Like a white pair of like hip hop looking shoes, I guess. Yeah. Oh god, my mom still has that picture hanging. Damn up it. <sighs> Fuck. Whatever. <laughs> Damn the world it. keeps spinning. So sometimes so, you're seventeen. So then explain so the so it's kinda of understood and you don't have to kinda of, but maybe maybe the business guy can explain this. Um, <laughs> the how how Warner got pulled into all this. Because I think originally there was like talk at one point like that the that your label that you were on was gonna get sold and you weren't sure and then Warner was courting you before that and so yeah. far, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Long I mean, story that, short, that, that's, that, it. That's, that's, that's and, it. And and we, we didn't we, want our hands to be forced into a situation that we weren't going to be happy about. So that's when we started talking to Warner. So like we basically fought to get on to Warner Brothers. Okay, which as is a, very as ironic, a, as opposed <laughs> to yeah, being a part of something that we like. We're just corralled into. Of, yeah. yeah. So were you guys like, uh, you know, usually when you when a, when a, when a major label's courting a band, um, they do the whole thing where they take you up to the executive's <laughs> house in the hills. I don't know why I just courting. I picture like horses just humping. <laughs> just like, I don't know. Wow. Could be the hour. Yeah, and, it could be. Right, exactly. It could be the hour of the night. Um, I think that's what it is. Yeah. So they usually take you up to Moving their house on. in the hills and they give you the nice place. Yeah. And they tell you all about the famous stories and people they've known. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and they try and impress you and they say you're going to make you the same thing. So uh, was that kind of how it was for you guys? Like uh, to a certain a, degree, a, a, a bit. I mean, our 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 our, 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 our guy was a cool dude. Um, and 
Like, I, I it, feel it, like that it, it felt like a little more kind of natural than that. I feel like the the moment that we that really probably won us all over was uh, a meeting that we had where the heads of all the departments mm. that were going to work with us kind of sat around a table and you know pitched us on why we should be there and kind of you know blew smoke up up the old bee hole and and we all kind of. I don't know. We, I, just, I I definitely bought it, and we were all really jazzed about it after the mm-hmm. fact, and that was kind of the the moment. And it wasn't really a lot of flash and, and a lot of like mm. glitz yeah. and like you know Mercedes driving. It was just it was just us eating donuts and shaking our heads, yes, like okay. And we'll and it was just awesome to see so many people in one room just for our band and to hear and talking about our career you know and, yeah you know. and it was it was the people that are responsible for muse and green day and mm-hmm. you know all these bands and it was really I, I mean that was probably the pivotal point in my mind yeah so um you know that's i think it's it's a very very uh not very very i'll give it one very uh unfair uh shake um as far as co-writes um because you know i think we've even talked about this at one point or another um you know 40 years ago people would go on stage and you'd have Barbra Streisand would go on stage or Sinatra or whoever and they'd sit there and say, this is a new song by mm-hmm. some writer mm-hmm. and they would sing it. Uh, and, and then you go back into the history of vocalists back into the big band era and stuff, they say, this is a new George Gershwin song, mm-hmm. this is a new Irving Berlin song. So then all of a sudden at some point or another, in that 40 year period up to about now, co-writes became like, if you didn't write that song yourself, you were, and I, I don't, I'm trying to figure out if it was really Millie Vanilli's fault for some reason. I don't know, yeah. Um, but it's yeah. the boy band era, that right. too, um, yeah, where all be. of a sudden singing somebody else's song that wasn't yours, or maybe you co-wrote with a, with a songwriter, um, now became um, less than authentic. And now the yeah. band's talent became questioned. And Yeah, I mean, the, you know, there was, what was it, Bob Dylan's first album, he only wrote two songs by himself on and i was just listening to because the night uh by bruce springsteen performed by bruce springsteen but it never was known really that that was a bruce springsteen song because patty smith came and sang it um yeah i i mean that's a that's kind of a phenomenon i I think that it's i don't know when you can pinpoint the exact time and when that became kind of a faux pas you know i a lot of it's who's doing what with who as well like you know we we were you know, through Warner, we were set up to do some co-writes with people that, like, if we had a lineup of people that we would co-write with, there's no way that we would pick some of the people that we ended up in a room with. You know, so. But what? So, so, so then maybe, maybe is. So, what is the pitfalls of co-writing? Let's talk about that. Instead of like knocking co-writing, what's the what's the, what's the where can you go wrong with co-writing? Let's talk about that. You can end up not sounding like yourself. Yeah, it just becomes not authentic. It's. I, I think it's when you're getting a room with a guy who. Is only concerned about if it's going to be a hit or not, right? You know, well, as, sourcing as, as out a, as, a, a, as, a, as opposed to getting in the room and writing a song with an artist who wants to write a song for the sake of writing. It's a, song. it's a well, completely different thing from from being in a room with Matt Squire, hmm. who's producing our album and constructively creating something that will be the final product, and all the while is invested in the project and wants to see it come to fruition and, and is pulling for it just mm-hmm. as much as you are, that's a completely different dynamic than sitting in a room with someone who is not invested in your band, doesn't know the background, doesn't know what where you want to go, asks you what you you know, who do you want to sound like? Tom Petty. We we, we <laughs> fucking sat in a room and our A and R told <laughs> this group of people that we were writing with that we wanted to sound like Tom Petty and we wanted to you know, he wants to hear the next American girl. 
And literally, Jared and I sat down in this mansion in Hollywood, and we... Let's this get guy, a beat going. This guy got a beat going. <laughs> the exact beat from American Girl. Do got do got. Yeah. And we just kind of looked at that each was, other. That and was that, like, you know, that was like straw one. And then we had this one... I guess For us, the co-write thing went kind of... It, it went kind of... I wouldn't say. It I was think a great I think experience. we have such a, a bad taste in our mouth just because of the yeah. whole situation mm-hmm. with we, that album. But, uh, but with like, black and white. But like, to talk, to talk about the Butch Walker one. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. we we wrote "Right Girl" with with Butch Walker, and Butch Walker was one of the cooler dudes that we've ever met, mm-hmm. and just kind of that Fonzie cool, and it was like not forced, and it was like it was he, awesome. You know, he gets it, and <clears throat> he's you know he's referencing old tunes of ours, and you know felt like he actually gave a shit about it and it wasn't just like a, you know make the cut you know because you know keep in mind butch walker had written and wrote and continues to write you know songs for pink and produces massive albums so you know we've had we've had both ends of the spectrum so i i wouldn't say that it's bad because like you said in the past you know that that was just kind of a thing you know and it wasn't it was just kind of like the best song wins. And if you like the song and you want to sing it, then sing it. And, you know, I, I think the, the problem arises when you're starting to sing material that you don't believe in or mm. that is not coming from a sincere spot. You know, it's so contrived. It's so, like, formulaic. And that's when I think you're really sliding, you know, the people, the, the, the fans that are listening to your tunes. You know? you know, there was a, that last time you guys were in town, it was you and, uh, and Pat and I, we had, the, we had a great talk. Um, and I, I, uh, you guys talked that there was, you, you found there was a correlation between um, the lyrics that you wrote uh, and the stuff that you felt was maybe more genuine um, and the, the lyrics that fans were coming up to you asking you to autograph onto their bodies so they could get a tattoo. Mm-hmm. I mean, I st- conversation? yeah, I still think that's that ab- that's, that's the, ab- the case. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I just, f- for as, for, you know, I don't think, I don't think um, our end of the the spectrum gives the other end enough credit at the end of the day, regardless of who the fan base is, regardless of who, what the age is. I think, I, I'd like to think that people in general can sniff out bullshit rather easily. And maybe that's me being, you know, having too much faith, but I, you know, I know from experience that, and, and that might be a testament to our fan base and how, you know, devout they all are. Um, but it also, I think it, it has to do with them noticing what's sincere and what's not. And, you know, that, that, that makes me uh, at least feel some sort of fulfillment. You know, uh, with Pioneer, now, explain to the structure of that. I mean, because at that point, you, you weren't really detached completely from Warner. It was kind of like a half. They were mm-hmm. kind of letting you do it. Yeah, I mean, they, ba- basically right. what happened is we had gone through all this stuff with, with, with Black black and White, and the, basically after like two months of the album being out, the, the label completely stopped showing any support for and the it, band or the album. So we had gotten like just... We are just com- completely over it. Um, it, it. I think it started with a conversation with Tom Wally, who is the, um, yeah, the, head the of owner, former yeah, CEO of Warner. He brought us to his uh, his house in New Jersey, mm. and he first thing he said was, um, 
what kind of bands you listen to and so or look up to and so we name all these bands like uh, like wilco and neil young and neil young and all this stuff and he's like well those bands just did whatever they wanted to and you know believed in themselves and kind of just said all this stuff that it totally really felt like it was you know kind of going away from what what he said sh- earlier should be you know not not so much him just kind of just the, the, the mentality of the label right yeah the company yeah so and, so for us it was kind of oh, go ahead sorry well we had this whole night with him or whatever and i remember in the car ride back i was like he's leaving the label like he's for sure leaving the label he just kind of like told us this like kind of yeah, like he, he, goodbye he, like here's your little <laughs> yeah he gave us what was in our best interest and not necessarily the label it was yeah. like he like whispered in our ear, like, do what you want. Don't like, <laughs> flew away. Yeah. 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 So, um, <laughs> don't compromise. So, so, yeah. so, so, so basically, we just, we just, we decided, like, he, we, we decided that we were going to record an album without the label knowing. Um, and we were going to do that for the sake of them not being able to have any, any control. So, so we, fast forward, we record forward, nine we, songs. Yeah. We go into, into, into their office and pop it in and, Listen we said, it. hey, this is an album. This is our album. He was like, what? Well, holy shit. And he, we, we, we basically walked out of the office not knowing how he felt. Like, he just kind of like... We didn't know if it was like is, a... This is great. But didn't like say like, this is going to be your album or not. Mm-hmm. So, fast forward six, six or eight... Six or eight freaking months. And we still hadn't gotten an answer as to what, what was going to happen. So, we decided to go record some extra songs. And we sent them sent them those, and they still weren't weren't happy. So we continued. were kind of the rebel songs. But it yeah. was it was never it was never like um, okay go you know go 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 make the rest of the record. It was always like it was you almost can, like you, you know you're doing you this want. is fun yay you know keep it's doing cute. it like, like yeah. this is awesome. It was almost like what it was, we almost was like cute. in the back of their minds they knew that this is you know. This is just uh, fucking them being little brats and that we're going to make a record and we're going to make it under our terms. And when we make records, we're all a part of it. And, you know, the funds are allocated this way and you're going to work with this person and you're going to do this co-write ringer and all of this thing, all of these things. Well, 27 songs recorded later and just, uh, you know, months and months and months of not getting solid answers um, we finally just wrote a letter kind of explaining, you know, we, you know, we heard that this is the way we make records and this is how we do things and this is how you will do things. And we said basically that we, we couldn't function as a band and no longer would want to be a band if, if that were the case. And if you weren't, if they weren't open to, to at least discussing the idea of putting this material out. So we finally got to a place where... <clears throat> We made an agreement, and they said, "Okay, you can put this record out, but then it's time to get back into it." So yeah, they so wrote an amendment in our contract, which basically allowed us to do whatever it was that our little hearts desired at the time. And we 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 paid for it all out of our pocket and the mm-hmm. whole deal. And it just basically like didn't count as an album on our deal. It was it was just this moment in time, time that just it's like a one never exist kind of deal. Yeah. It really didn't exist to them. Um, so, so keep in mind that during this whole thing, um, pretty much everybody that we had initially met with at Warner Brothers had been canned at that point, canned or resigned or left to go work somewhere else. So, we didn't even without feeling, yeah, yeah. We, we we had nobody really that we felt like it was in our corner. Um, 
and then you know and then that began the 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 fight to get off and the back and forth and you know for as long as it took for us to to request to be off the label it took just almost just as long for them to figure out the paperwork to send over for us to sign so that we weren't on the label anymore so it was just a case that you know it's hard for a machine that big to move so quickly and and for us we felt like we were going to decompose if it took any longer you know it it felt like we were going to you know shrivel up and and wither away if we would have sat you know another year another year and a half and it was just like we have to make this quick and and painless and it's nothing against you guys and so i think you you at one point you had said um recently over the past six months or so like that sean that uh you said, you know, like, you basically said, like, you know, we maybe we'll sign to a label again someday. We don't know. Yeah. So is it, are labels the problem, or is it certain kinds of labels are the problem? It's, uh, or I don't is know. it really neither, though? I, I, don't, I don't necessarily it's, think. It's, 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 I think it just depends on what, what kind of your goals are, mm-hmm. you know? And, it's very situational, And how yeah. that is going to align with, you know, with other people. You know, right now in our career, we're, we're at a point where we want to make the art that we want to make mm-hmm. without an outside opinion. And from get someone the, get rid of the who, focus group, who, right? yeah, yeah, who should be a filter. And we're, we're just at a point where we're not open to, to hear that from someone who who sits, sits behind a desk and is, is only concerned about how many, how many albums you're going to, you're going to sell. I, I think too, that the, the difference also lies, like you said, like in, in the goals and short term success has never been our mantra. It has always been, let let's see <clears throat> excuse me how how long we can do this for and and make it feel like we're never taking leaps behind you know and leaps backwards so you know i, I think if 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 the stars align and we we meet uh you know meet with a group of people that kind of feel the same way that we do i don't see why we couldn't figure something out but at this point it's just it feels so so I don't know, uh, liberating. Liberating. But I, I remember even when we started talking about labels, it was it was never like we need a label. It was more of kind of we can do this on our own. I I, I do feel mm-hmm. like though that there was some level of like this is what is next. This is where right. you have to go to right. be competitive, to be heard. This is what everybody does. Exactly, you and we and and, and to be yeah. honest, I think you know that was the correct move. I oh, think, I, I'm you not know, saying that. Either. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, you know, it was never it was never a crutch or anything. No, was, no. But I, I, yeah, like you, like you said, I, I think we've always tried to be in control of our own destiny as much as we can and and dictate as much of the movement that's happening along the way. So, you know, all the while, I think we we've always continued whether whatever situation we've been in, we've tried to kind of maintain some hold on the situation so you said one point john recently i'm going to paraphrase it but you basically said that prior to these latter records especially i think you were talking pioneer Mm -hmm. now uh uh that music was not the focus does that make any sense it does i don't necessarily and that might come off as as yeah so how did you what did you mean by i think it was more music wasn't in focus there were just other things okay it wasn't yeah. everything working in harmony. It was it was pieces of the puzzle kind of coming together at different times. So, mm, okay. While while Jared and I are writing with you know, you know, baby one more time, guy or whatever, <laughs> we're also trying to figure out 
you know, what's the next move in the inside of the uh, of the label dynamic, and how is you know how is our first major label release going to be, and and you know, it, it's now it feels like like we can breathe, like we can actually function as a group and, you know, create material that we, that we are, you know, proud of and, and fully support. You said, um, there's a quote here that you said, John, you said, uh, it was talking about doing it on your own mm -hmm. now as you and Tim and, and everybody in the band. Uh, <clears throat> the quote was the relation, the thing that this was the difficult side. And you guys said that one of the things, once you start doing your own, you didn't have Warner Brother there, you found like getting your record distributed was really more difficult than you thought it was mm -hmm. going to be. And your quote was, the relationships you don't realize labels have pre-existing, that's something that we had no idea how hard of an obstacle that would be to overcome. Yeah. It's those relationships. Absolutely. So even though you were an established band, mm -hmm. had a track record, had you know good sales, stuff mm -hmm. like that, were there doors that were had been opened previously? Then all of a sudden you're on your own without having a label with you that were shut. And Absolutely. You guys were like, I mean, really? Yeah. I, th I think there's there's people who only want to work with, you know, with a, a big label or things like that. Um, but it, I think it's just kind of like made us make our own path. There's there's um, de I mean you know as mm -hmm. well as we do uh, you know that there's a fucking there's a political agenda behind right. almost right. anything so, to do with business whether mm -hmm. it's you know whether it's your business or whether it's our band or whether it's our fucking parents you know there's always something behind closed doors that's happening that you know will always happen so yeah I I mean for as many opportunities that we might be missing out on I feel like there's that many or more that we are now being able to experience for the first time that, you know, we wouldn't have been able to. So, I, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's, I think it's a, it's, it's a, a pretty interesting time for us. You know, music critics can have their own opinions and descriptions and flowery um, adjectives thrown all over the place. But if you guys had to summarize, how would you describe the difference? What would be the difference between Pioneer and Black and White? Uh, black and white uh, was calculated mm. and um, formulaic, and I feel like Pioneer was just a, a feeling conglomeration of fuck yous and like good vibes. I mean, I know those are contrasting no, emotions. You know, they make but... one hell of a hard candy. Fuck you and good vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you and good vibes. Yeah. Well, when yeah. we wrote it, it was Pioneer. It was like an explosion of creativity that I feel like we never had before that. I remember we were just kind of almost like itching to mm -hmm. like just write music. Oh yeah, we'd, we'd be writing like all black, day and way into the night. Black and white like oh, came out like four months before we started writing and it was like we felt like we needed to write music just together in a room and, and I feel like that was like the huge difference is yeah. like just getting in a room together and, and yeah. jamming yeah. Which so be, besides besides maybe Right Girl because Butch was on that mm -hmm. one mm -hmm. when you guys play anything off of Black and White on stage does it kind of bring back some of the crappy memories uh, I don't no. necessarily no. think so I, I don't think so I think that a lot I mean, of that the stuff the thing it is kind of like died we're, with we're, we're happy with that with that yeah. album yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. so it's yeah. not like that it's no not, not at all I mean that, that album it's not like an X no no I got it there, there are, there are like maybe three songs that I don't think we'll ever play live, just from our repertoire of songs that we've put out, you know, and and that might be for various reasons. But there's no like vendetta songs on that album that we're like fuck, you know, not in a million that, years. I mean, and, yeah. and, 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 and like like we had talked about in, in an interview, the the 
first song on that on the album called uh, "Don't Stop Now." Like that might be like if you were gonna show someone a song of our band like that. Like that one's like right down the middle. You know, it's like there there are like those those moments like where like we're still we're we're, st- we're still con- connected to that time mm-hmm. period. You know. Mm-hmm. So and so now with the new record, where first of all, where'd the name come from? Forever Halloween. Uh, it. It actually came from a meeting that we had with Ryan Adams, uh, the singer-songwriter uh, extraordinaire, I might add. <laughs> um, we were we got so fortunate to to meet with him and and pick his brain, if only for you know a An couple hour, hours, or hours. Um, and see his studio in California. And at the time, we were talking to him, unbeknownst to us, I guess, <laughs> about maybe making a record with him. Um, and this was months prior to uh, even kind of deciding how we were going to approach the next album or this this album, um, and without even knowing it, he, he'll you know probably never hear this or you know it'll never get back to him. But he had said he was doing something with his friends, like shooting a music video for fun, and it was like goofy, and they were going to get like um, costumes and 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 makeup and stuff and he said go to one of those halloween stores and you know whatever forever halloween or halloween forever and for whatever reason that really stuck with me and and so so from that moment on i started thinking you know what does that really mean to me and how i perceived it was obviously completely different than how he was perceiving he was talking about rhinestone microphones with like dracula teeth and like you know, a girl in like a pink afro or something like that. But for me, it had felt like uh, the culmination of what we had been doing. Um, you know, like we talked about the the different outfits that we've worn. And it goes deeper than that. F- for me, it, it means, you know, perception and, and kind of being able to fall so easily into maybe something that you have no business kind of being or, or you know, uh, projecting onto everyone else um so yeah i think it'll make more sense to people once you know once they sit with the album um Mm. once they hear kind of the lyrical content and kind of the the jekyll and hyde scenarios that you find yourself in every day so uh, so so then let's get it out of the way now before the music critics and 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 all the fans get it but so what would you how would you describe the difference between pioneer and forever halloween now um, it is human. It's it's yeah. human. It's yeah. got like it's got a pulse. Um, you know, Pioneer was so awesome because taking that leap from black and white, it was like okay, now I'm dialing in all my amps. I'm making sure it's not like a, a laboratory approach at all. That's how Pioneer was, and so that was great for us to just kind of learn Experiment. what we were all about yeah. individually. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we tried to for us. Out. You know, that the album it's it's kind of like a loose representation of what we could do on our own. You got know. And then jumping out of that into Forever Halloween, we had, you know, Brendan Benson on board, which was so awesome to have a producer again now that we had, you know, taken some time off and, and kind of discovered how we work together. Um, but not not only a producer, but we had been racking our brains and actually it was, I think, Pat who brought the mm-hmm. idea of Brendan up to us. And it was like, you know, why had we not thought about it was, this? Yeah. It was uh, you're getting a producer, but at the same token, you're getting an artist, an artist somebody mm. in bands who right. has exactly. written music and material that we so dearly look up to and hold in such high regards. And he understands the how fragile 
the situation can be within you know a band and how sentimental one can be with the songs and and the, the emotions that go into the songs that you're writing so and i mean on top of that when we were meeting with ryan adams uh in his studio and just looking at all the cool gear that he had and and you know he does everything pretty much in an analog sort of style and tracks it all live so we our, our eyes were kind of open just from that experience too i mean he uh you know. said that computers are used to look at porn and to send Check your emails and 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 and, and email to your to your mom <laughs> and a tape machine is only used to record songs mm-hmm. so i'm going to go with that one yeah so <laughs> that so that that, that yeah. whole mentality kind of stuck and so you know when pat you know how Pat was saying he's obsessive when it comes to certain topics and he'll just, you know, research and research and finally came up with the idea of Brendan Benson. Um, and then we dug a little deeper and realized that, you know, he mainly records everything to tape. So um, for us, that and was live. like this in live. Yeah. So, yeah. so that for us, that was like a whole new territory that we hadn't even thought about prior to this album. So, you know, that's why, you know, when Pat says it's human or it has a pulse, it does. We didn't go we didn't go into like the microscopic levels of editing and, and move anything. It's just it's a take, it's mm-hmm. live, it is what it right. is, you know. And uh you know, for us that that was very exposing for, for each and every one of us, I think. You can really hear uh everyone at basically the core of their ability. So very Janet Jackson. <laughs> very <laughs> It was a lot we felt we uh could learn. Uh, this time around. Uh, you, you know, that really should be the sticker on a CD. Exposed. This is very Janet Jackson. 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 But not any of her entertain. It just her nip slip. Just her nip. Exposed. Very That's in parentheses. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just right. the nip very slip. Very yeah. Janet Jackson. Just, just the, the nip, nip slip. slip. <laughs> I wow. see. That's, that's okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, okay. So we're going to, uh, we're, I'm going to just want one more question on this and then we're going to do uh, a last song break and then we're going to do lightning round and wrap this up. Um, okay. So, uh, uh, and I don't mean to be brief on on the new record at all, um, but we've we've uh, we've we've covered so much ground. Um, but so where you are right now, after everything you've been through, um, how do you feel about the future? Great. It is it is bright. Very optimistic at this yeah, point. Yeah, very optimistic. Um, I feel yeah. like that the future for us as a band just feels, you know, we, we could. F- finally firmly place our feet on the ground stand on any stage and at this point say yes we are a band and there is no doubt about that at this point and i know that sounds a little weird to say and for some people that might not under- they might not understand that you know it's like you know i saw you in 2007 you guys were playing guitars and you were singing and you were playing drums but i i view it now as that is what we just we're able to accomplish as a, as a group kind of mi- is a milestone for, for our band. And it marks us almost as if that, that were the first day of a new era for our band, a new mentality, a new way of thinking, a new way of performing, a new way of approaching everything. Um, the future is now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the goal is to erode those kind of preconceived notions that people might have about our band. And I think that the route that we took on this album was probably... Um, the best thing that we could have done to solidify that we are actually a rock and roll band. And all the while, and I've always said this, and I really truly firmly believe that the uncertainty of tomorrow is what makes today so worth it. It makes what we're doing right now in this room together with you, it makes all of this, it makes you not take it for granted. And and the uncertainty of what will happen after June 4th is, is what makes this all exciting. And what it's what makes us want to 
continue to keep our heads, you know, our heads down, our mouths shut, and just play music. And you'll be touring with Rock to the Moon in this century. Rock to the Moon this century in Brighton. Yeah. All this and I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't ask for a better cast to be a part of, of all of this together with, um, you know, best friends of ours for seven and longer years. So mm-hmm. most of them part of our first like tours ever. So Absolutely. Yeah. So it's a, yeah, it's the first 8123 tour and we're proud to, proud to be a part of that and represent so, it. So, okay. Um, second song break. <clears throat> Let's talk about your music. Um, can't be off the new record though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we want people to buy it. Um, <laughs> uh, give me the song that fans most misunderstand and why do they why do you why how do they misunderstand it i think the the beauty about music is again perception and associating your own meaning towards songs um for me i'll never dive into what uh, a song called misery is about but uh, obviously the song title is very self-explanatory and everybody can relate to that emotion um but the experience that I went through to get to a point where I felt it necessary to write the song and to kind of share it with other people is something that I don't think anybody knows even a bit about. Um, so that one might be a pretty mis, I don't know, misinterpreted song. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, it's about clowns. <laughs> baby clowns. Clown baby. Clown babies. <laughs> if you will. Um, that went super serious to it, not it, at no, all. It was, it was good. Um, and then uh, give me the song that is hands down this band's favorite song you've ever made. Besides a new record. Like, it's, like this is the one you guys all like. This is our favorite song. Wow, that's a that's like it's so funny because I personally don't really go back and like listen to our material and and it's, it's such Star a it. okay. Well, let me let me refine that. <laughs> Give me your favorite song you'd like to play live. There you go. Um, like it will probably be in your sets forever. Man, uh, okay, that didn't work. Um, well, it's in there somewhere. <laughs> it's in there. I. I mean, it's all. I think it's all relative to the time period. Like right now, we're playing um, a song called "Growing Up," which is we're playing it a little bit differently. And I feel like it's a really fun spin on a, a really kind of sentimental song about you know that just that growing up and you know memories that I have of summers where we kind of I first met Garrett and kind of going back to that that kind of period in time. Um, we kind of put like a replacements kind of like mm. punk kind of spin yeah, on it rockabilly kind yeah of. it's yeah. uh that's really fun for me it's uh kind of a for lack of better words kind of a drunk kind of uh, i don't know just a yeah i, I yeah, yeah i agree yeah. i don't know if we'll play it forever but it's no, definitely yeah. one of the fun, fun to, to do it right now mm-hmm. yeah well it's yeah definitely i'll say this once again Told me his name 
but he's not welcome here anymore. Cause it's time to move on and 
I just this has got to clarify this. I think it is clarifiable, um, and I know I know this is like one of these these questions that you guys are so we were talking about this over dinner. So sick of it, but just to kind of maybe take it to the next level, the name of the band mm-hmm. did it really come from that song from Ivory? Yeah, yes. yeah. So the, yeah. the coast of Maine. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Because the lyrics, their lyrics are there. Ain't lyrics to that song. It's pretty short. I guess. Yeah. It's like, uh, what about that song? What about these lyrics here? I think it was more about, what about, about the lyrics? band. It was, it was more it about was, the band. They broke the up. Band. Like they were only like yeah, they're from Wisconsin. And they yeah. broke up. Yeah. Like the singer ended up living at my house for like a year and a half. Well, that's what he. That's what you get for naming your band after. <laughs> I mean, they they, they were super kind of. I don't know, like one of those pivotal bands for me personally, and I know for probably all of oh, us yeah. that were just yeah. there was something about it. It, it was. I, the, I, I, that, I think it kind of like took you like away from from like pop punk pop punk type thing and like more like. And instrumentation was differently, and like the the piano oriented, and like great songwriting. But I mean, listen to these lyrics. I mean, I miss the holidays, the way you looked at me. Please wait for me. I'm coming back to you in Portland, Maine, not Oregon. Uh, I should have stayed back there with you on the on the coast of Maine. Maine. I should have stayed back there. Right. Uh, I miss our city. Uh, my contacts are drying out. Here we are. Uh, the, the nights out walking. Please wait for me. I'm coming back to you in Portland. What, but what about that song? What about those lyrics? Kind of. How'd you get the band name out of that song? It, honestly, it was just <laughs> it. it it's, you have to have a band name because we booked a show. Yeah, I mean partly that, but yeah, I mean it was probably mostly that. Well, okay, we're gonna be so lamp. That ruined the whole romanticism of yeah. it. Well, I, I think. I think you know there there are plenty of songs out there that probably have worse lyrical content than that or or, li- or less lyrical content than that um but you know they, i mean there's just songs out there that speak to you without necessarily saying much um and that one just i don't know did did yeah. just that it's it and that's it, like like pat yeah. said it, it took me away it took us away from the pop punk kind of monotony i guess and uh introduced us to something other than so um, it felt emotional. It felt like we were grown ups for some reason. Like we were grown ups listening to, it's you know, bad. songs about heartbreak and it's a great song. Yeah, I mean, you absolutely. can get it on iTunes too. Yeah, so, so it's uh, and so if you guys want to buy that song and support those guys. It'd be awesome. 
right, so here's the lightning round. Some of these things are, are those rote questions um, that a lot of these little these these new uh, interviewers are asking you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but so in that way, we ask them. I'll ask a few of them now, and we get them out of the way, and hopefully they'll never ask you. Again. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, but it probably won't matter. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so here we go. So we're gonna go around the we're gonna go around the circle here. So Pat, we'll start with you, and we'll yeah. just go around. All right. <clears throat> all right. Here we go. Let's get it out of the way. Let's get the, the favorite color. Oh, see? Uh, green. Teal. No, it's green. teal. teal. What are you doing? Teal. All right, Mr. Teal. I'm, I'm, we I'm talked about me. this. <laughs> I'm really bad You're the teal guy. Program. Not allowed to change it. <laughs> You're Mr. Teal, okay? <laughs> Red. Uh, all over print. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> you Orange. You didn't have a color, so. I'm going to go with green. Boo. Yeah, dude. Mr. Well, Pink. Purple. Mr. Pink. All right, so now, now with that, let me ask you this. I, I, We've all heard the stories about like there's points where bands just kind of burn out after a while, like not in the sense of like the musically, but they just burn out doing interviews and they start making up stuff. And how many times have you guys made up stuff in interviews? We <laughs> often we actually <laughs> made up like, it depends most on of the... this interview. We've made up from. <laughs> this is all fabricated. When we usually make stuff up, we we, we usually take it like so far, dude. That, that yeah, sense. like like sending somebody I in to pretend feel... to be Jared yeah. in an interview. I mean, we have this joke that I'm the blurry guy in all the photos and shit, like. <laughs> Because a lot of the times I'm pretty tall, I end up like in the back, and I do end up out of focus. Hopefully, it's not a fucking plot by you guys. We're gonna fire. Dirt, I see right? Tim in there like smirking. They're probably doing it on purpose. But anyways, for a lot like so, so you're the blurry business. Yeah, guy. yeah. I'm the guitar player with mystique. Yeah. Um, so this is the worst thing we've ever done. So uh, yeah, this is by far the worst. We a good friend of ours. Um, his name's Ray. Uh, looks like he could be my older brother, who's maybe a little shorter than me. <laughs> and we just fucking we gave him like my outfit, which was at, on this tour. I was wearing like like a t shirt and a vest, like a denim vest, all the time. I just didn't wash my clothes, so I gave this to him, and he wore it into this interview and like, with a pair of Ray Ban. Like, it was glasses. just like <laughs> with my glasses and the like. I guess I, I was wasn't there Pat, for it, so I don't know how it Pat and Ray, right? Yeah, I mean, he didn't talk very much, um, <laughs> but they were like asking said, him like. like Gonna go with Gibson or Fender? He goes Fender for sure, which was a great answer. Because <laughs> and that's, that's, and, and that's the that only would be the answer. That's only, that's only he didn't make him lose any endorsements. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah, that's so, the only thing he said. So you know, if, if, <laughs> if you interviewed us that day, I'm sorry, but that won't happen again. So yeah. if you're ever interviewing Jared and he's got Ray-Bans on, yeah, that's tough time. You want to know if it's the real Jared? It's basically Weekend and Bernie's with guitar players. Yeah. Understood. Okay, here we go. This was a little. Bit, this one's a little bit better. Favorite movie? Oh, that thing you do. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Shoot. Mm. Space Jam. Space. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fight Club. I love Fight Club. Uh, Pulp Fiction's far up there on my list. I'm gonna go with MacGruber. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah Damn it. Tim and Eric's billion dollar movie. Oh, Tim and Eric's, oh, Tim and Eric's Tim and billion dollar movie. Yeah, I take it back. Okay, I take it back. Tim and Eric. That's a great movie. Just had to get everybody. Okay, here we go. All right, here we go. Now this is favorite place to recharge. You come off tour, you're burned out. You need to go someplace. So I'm gonna give you the selections. You pick it. Okay, here we go. Oceans, mountains, grasslands, desert, forests, um, like standard suburbia or cities. Oh, if we got if we got to go to those places, yeah, if like we got it, to pick one of those, yeah, spots, one of those places, where would you go to? For me, uh, oceans. Um, yeah, for me, coming right back off the road, I would I would want to be at, at home, suburban. Just, yeah, su- su- suburban from just from being gone right. so so much. That's not so chill. I know, but yeah. you know, it's not as chill as oceans. You're not gonna be dude. catching catching Way the rays, bro. Vibes, I want at least a day at home. 
Yeah, I mean, but we got to pick out all those cool po- like, yeah, places. Yeah, you could be. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just being real. Well, I'm gonna fucking. <laughs> I'd have a house on See, the beach. See, that's the that was, that was my, my answer. My home would be <laughs> build on a house the beach. on the ocean. Oh, okay, you so want a castle? It seems like ocean's one on this one. All right, favorite country that you visited. Australia is beautiful. Yeah, but darn, is it expensive? It's so yeah. expensive. Australia is pretty, pretty, pretty penny. Yeah, but, but I, I've, I've had an awesome time in every single play, yeah. place we've gone. It, it's just cool to experience things completely different. Uh, than safe answer. What safe we, answer. Yeah, uh, we I spin, like everyone. Yeah. We everyone, spins all on. over. <laughs> <laughs> we spins all over. I like South America. Anything in South America is awesome. Pre choice. Yeah. Favorite club you've ever played in? Like the place you guys look forward to going to play in. We've only played there one time, but um, a place called uh, Coco in uh, London. It was a beautiful yeah, venue. Awesome. Yeah. What about it? Just, very ornate uh, and like old, luxurious looking. It was all red and very like warm and it was like a tall theater. Regal. Yeah. Um, you're in a bus. Uh, you're touring a bus. Uh, are you the middle bunk, the top bunk, the lower bunk? Middle bunk. Bottom bunk. Middle, middle, bottom. I want to quit the bottom though. I want to quit the. I want to. I want to be. Able, I want to sleep on the bus. Me too. I man. cannot do that. I can't do it. Why not? I don't. I think it's this anxiety thing. It's. I don't know. I don't know why I can't either. Yeah, John always ends up in the back lounge. Yeah, I might have Just, to start coming yeah. back there. You don't want to know what I'm doing back there. Farting. <laughs> it's well, a gas it's chamber. A more extensive than that. <laughs> <laughs> Multitasking. <laughs> Extreme farting. Um, okay, so. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, you guys don't see that. You can't see it because it's audio. So. <laughs> and I, I can uh, hold on. Let me mouth it. Uh, <laughs> oh god! I thought we were leaving. Your whole thing earlier was like leave stuff to the imagination. <laughs> He's not so mysterious anymore now, is he? Um, <laughs> favorite piece of music memorabilia that you own? Now that could be a, a, a seven-inch or a, a vinyl thing, or like something that like. That's your thing. Maybe it was an autograph you got one time. Or... Mm. Um, Go first, Pat. I don't know. I don't really have music memorabilia. On the beach, Neil Young, vinyl. Thanks, John. Yeah. <laughs> got you. I, we, were, we were rummaging through the same kind of collect like vinyl store, and I found right. that. And I know that he had been looking I for it. I was looking for it for so long. Um, for me, it's kind of a sentimental just... Uh, the first acoustic guitar, first guitar that I ever owned. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Um, I guess that leaves me now. Uh, <laughs> it's all you. Uh, that's tough. Um, I have a your rock band kit. I the only time I've ever asked <laughs> my rock band kit. Yeah, <laughs> the only time I've ever asked for an autograph was at a Jimmy Eat World show when I was like really young, and I got I got Jim Adkins autograph on. Um, on my little clarity CD that I still have. I'm going to change mine to a Ken Griffey Jr. ball from a Seattle Mariners game Okay, back in the day. I know that has nothing to do with music. It's <laughs> okay. It's, it it's still fits. It's, it's pretty awesome. We're a fan. All right. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I, my my thing that is a guitar, actually, that a, a friend gave me, uh, and it's a guitar that he's had for a long time. Um, it's a 1970 Telecaster that I Ooh, absolutely sweet. love. Wow. So it's it's just so much. Cool. Yeah. Cool guy. Favorite junk food? In and out. Burger. Oh. Does yeah. that count as junk food? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It absolutely does. In and out. I mean it's in not out. it's not healthy oh. foods. It's not healthy. Checks mix. What are these kids eat healthy foods? <laughs> Favorite stiff drink. 
Uh, vodka, orange juice, and pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> Pat will go for the froofies, dude. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, just Jack Daniels. I know it sounds elitist, but I am an elitist, and I like <laughs> scotch. I enjoy nice scotch as well. Good boy. Whiskey and water. Whiskey and water. Um, uh, what's the phone app that's on your phone that you can't live without? Besides social networking, besides Facebook. One word, snood. Snood. <laughs> snood. It's a great game. Uh, dude. It's a game. It's a great game. It's, I am uh, uh, not really an, an, an app guy. I, that's the only thing. I think that's the only app I have. I mean, I have others, but. Snood. I don't know. He's the game guy. Game. Uh, I like Bike Race a lot. That's a great game. Yeah, but you were like super into, uh, what was it? Temple Run? Temple Run. Temple Run. Oh, yeah. 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 That was like a huge thing. Yeah. Okay, this is a little bit more collaborative. Time that you guys almost died while touring. Ooh. And I'm talking like a road story. There's, there's been a handful, right? We, uh, to, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was, you're stuck I don't necessarily think we almost, Blizzard I mean, 2012. We, okay, we, we, there was a couple instances. One is very fresh in my memory because it happened recently oh, wow. and it was very traumatic. Oh, we God. were driving in Texas about a month and a half ago and I was driving. Two lanes going one direction, median, two lanes coming the other We're in the other van. way. A car swerved across the median, and it looked like he was just going to U-turn, but he was going too fast to U-turn, and then proceeded to roll like eight times. A truck did. Right at Across us. the median, right at us. Landed like smack dab in between our two lanes on our highway, so I had to hit the brakes and pull over. Um, I mean, I guess we could have died if I would have continued to go forward. A kid was shot out of the car. I passed out because I like, I don't know. I By the had, way, everybody was okay that was in the Everybody truck. was. As wow. far as we know. Well, the kid just, landed on his feet. On his feet. Walked out of the just, dust cloud. Like, walks out of this cloud of dust. Like, it was incredible. It was insane. It was super So we, super we all run to this truck to start like helping them bring water and, and paper towels. And I turn around and I see John gets pretty like queasy when it comes to blood and stuff or anything really. And like I hadn't that. seen anything, but I had just heard from Alex, one of our friends who was with us that he needed paper towels and water bottles. But I, my heart was beating so fast because of what I had just witnessed and that so, I just was overwhelmed and I passed out and he's on the phone. Jared's on his phone, phone with his girlfriend and he drops his phone <laughs> and says, John's down. <laughs> So it turned into this whole thing, and and like they had to bring all the all the shit that we brought to these victims <laughs> to of me. Traumatic fucking like that rollover. just shows you my, water. my that shows you my ego and my we're my, like John's more important. My right need now. for the spotlight, I need it. So yeah, we're that. And then uh, real quick, we were in. I was driving again. I don't feel comfortable when I'm not driving when we're in the van. Yeah, so I like to drive a lot. Everyone was asleep. We were coming home from... Uh, the Pioneer we were, Tour. Yeah, we were headed back home. We were passing through New Mexico. We hit like a terrible snowstorm, and I'm the only one up, and I'm trying to just like kind of fucking plow through this drive, and I start to not be able to see the lanes, and I don't want anybody to wake up and freak out, so I don't say anything, and I'm like, you know, white-knuckling the, the steering wheel and get down to like 15 miles an hour and I'm losing traction and I start to see these heads pop up in the back and just I can feel the fucking tear that's in this van like everyone is so much tension <laughs> so much tension because I made we, a video on my phone of like what to do with my shit if I die so like who we to give get it to? down I get down to like probably 15 20 miles an hour and we hit the bottom of like a little 
valley kind of dip. By the way, we're on the in a road in the middle of nowhere. We no took one, the only open no. road that we could actually find. They had closed we wanted down to get everything home for else. Christmas, and <laughs> yeah, we were just forcing Christmas. a drive that we probably shouldn't have. Well, at like seven in the morning, we get stuck and we have to sit for about. No, it was like four in the morning, and we got mm-hmm. stuck till seven. So in the we morning. waited three hours, and. That was just at the bottom of this fucking like mountainous like ravine with, with a quarter tank of gas. Yeah, and, just all and our, bad. Our all experienced bad. Uh, sound guy telling us he has no idea what we should do. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> the person like, we look yeah. to. He's like forty nine, and he's like, I give up at this point. Like, he's I like, well, I, I totally should have brought the chains <laughs> yeah, with us. <laughs> well, the bears will get us. Yeah, <laughs> who who can we eat first? Right, <laughs> Jared's legs. <laughs> but you guys made a you guys made a video on your Jared phone did. about what to do with your shit when you die. Yeah. I, he did. I did. Yeah, I mean it was. Basically, it was somewhat a joke, but I was kind of like the video will, if you will, like a video will, yeah, <laughs> the video will, yeah, it, okay, that's okay, <laughs> that, that'll, that'll do. Uh, biggest myth about the band. Oh man, um, I guess this is what. No, I, I was saying it probably has something to do with with uh, you, with me. Yeah, John's know. on heroin. Yeah. I've said that I I do, I do heroin, but it's not true. <laughs> I think it's a funny joke. It's probably not it's to a like funny joke. Like, it's not oh, to like ex heroin users or like current heroin users. Like fuck you, you're not well, part I mean, of our current, club. Current, current heroin users probably don't give a shit. Yeah, like, they're probably not at our shows. They're um, probably calling you a faker. I think a big yeah. a big myth about our band, which a lot of people that we've toured with have said, and this isn't like one or two. This is like several bands have all said like. <laughs> Yo, you guys are really like you're really fun to be around, and I thought you guys were gonna be douchebags at the start of this whole thing. So I guess <laughs> we go we're around not... we go around saying that though. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just to clear the air, <laughs> and then and lure people into it, and then we're just complete pricks we're when they actually meet us, <laughs> spitting in I'm people's food. So it is true. What do you guys? What do each of you do on your day off? Like you're on the road, you have a day off. What do you do? What do you like? Laundry, shower. Like, what's the thing you like to do? I should let me rephrase that. Not uh, what you have to. Outdoor do. activities. We like to be outside yeah. when it's when the weather permits. Uh, and a yeah, good we dinner. like to be outside. Do you guys need to get away? Do you guys get away eat. from each other, or do you guys kind of? <laughs> no, nope. nope. I don't think we ever do. I, We're always really in a weird, big group. Like I was saying the other day, like when we get home from a tour, and like if I have to go run errands in my car, it's literally the first time I've been by myself in like months because we're always so just weird. Always like, and I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I don't hate it, but yeah. it is definitely strange. It's very strange. What's the um, uh, what what was the what was the scariest uh, not scariest um, the most the craziest fan stalking moment you've had yet? Florida, Jacksonville. Well, that or the or the Brazil one when we were in the van. Oh yeah, we were sitting. Uh, I don't know. I feel or, like the or, Florida ones. Okay, weird. or the, the guy Florida at one. the rave that. Was oh, that backstage shit infiltrator? Got to tell that story. The infiltrator. That guy wins. A boy. A boy was. A boy was hanging around all day, whom we thought was a part of the crew, <laughs> crew the, at, the, the, at the, the venue, venue. the rave it's crew. Starting this way, and going. we just took it as like you know helped he helped load in. Load in. Yeah. He, he took gear from there our trailer the, into the he, venue. He he, he he like went and got us beers from at like the, the meeting room, like at the end. Yeah, like went and like. Took our, so our, this guy our was just kind of hanging around all day. He <laughs> had a pass. Beer? He had a pass on, and nobody really took notice that it was it ended up being a fake pass. So he's on our bus at the end of the night. We're like, thanks so much hanging for hanging out, help, dude. Like, like, love coming to this venue. <laughs> <laughs> and our tour manager was like, hey, 
can I see your pass? And it ended up being a printed out laminated pass that he had doctored up, much like Garrett's pace dubs. And <laughs> I actually made it. For we him. we kicked him off, and as soon as he got off, and we we heard the story. <laughs> We fucking lost we it and applauded him, yeah. and we're like <laughs> really pumped thing. up because like he, he he had the he had the venue convinced he was with us, and then he had, the, us, he had convinced us convinced he was, he was with the venue. venue and- but like going in the dressing room where like all our shit was, get beers for everyone. Just, I like, think the, the weird I think the weird ones now are like the the online stuff, the imposters that you oh. know make fake profiles and stuff like that. I feel like that's more oh, yeah, that's, that's more weird. creepy than anything that we've experienced on. The road. All of a sudden, you're you know your little sister is tweeting at you, but it's not your little sister. Exactly. Right. Just that, that weird. just kind of weird. Really weird stuff. And who? And when you guys find these imposters, who do they usually end up being? What kind you, of, you, you never you, know. You, you just never, I just didn't know if you ever. And, and I, I don't think that anybody's ever really contacted. <laughs> no. We had a, we had we had <laughs> one fan yeah. on Facebook <laughs> message me from a Jono account. It was she was trying to be John. <laughs> and she said, "Give me what did she say? She had a <laughs> demand a for me. Oh. Give me your newest DVD. Send it to my house right now." Uh, if you I'll, do this, I'll delete this account. And I'll, I just told her that I don't negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of that. That's the only time I've ever responded to that. <laughs> She's in a position of power. <laughs> yeah. She's got a fake. Yeah. Now, you're, you're, uh, you're, uh, a lot of your uh, handles, it's John John V for fifth. Yeah, or the fifth John. Yeah. The fifth John, right. And so, and that's because there's five Johns reportedly before you. How much do you well, know? Well, there's probably how, 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 much do, how much do you know? Like. Like going back, how much do you know? How many? Yeah, like, like how, how much do you know? Like, you, like going. How like much do you, I remember? Well, no, but like, how much do you like? How much do you know about your? How far your, can you your trace? History, oh, your fit, like it your, probably my knowledge of of people probably ends at my great grandfather. Which what do you know about that? So that would be one, two, three, or four, I guess, because I would be the fifth. Okay. Um, I just know kind of his story and where he worked and. I don't know anything about him. I know that I'm in pictures with him, and I think there's only one photo of of the four that were living at the same time. So, okay. So not his father, obviously. So it's my great grandfather, grandpa, my dad, and and I. So uh, it, so the um, cause I only did this one time before, and I did it for Craig Owens, and I just did it out of out of a out of fascination because I'm a history buff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so um, uh, and I was able to kind of look into Craig's. Uh, family passed and mm-hmm. like to trace it all the way back to like 1850 Iowa, mm. where his family came from, farmers Whoa. out there and stuff like that. <clears throat> so, uh, so when I was doing research on this, I was just sitting there going, I was like, well, "This is John Fifth, this is John Fifth." So I just like started playing around with it. And I started looking back, and I dug up a bunch of stuff. Oh God! Um, and that's why I was asking. So I just want to make sure I'm on the right lead okay. here, um, because you, you guys are all in Chandler. <laughs> oh wow! Um, so, but your 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 grandfather, yes, right. Uh, it's, uh, I want to make sure I've got the right guy here. Mm-hmm. Um, who died in 1991? Uh, that would have been my great grandfather. That would have been your great grandfather. Uh-huh. Right? Okay, so I may have actually gone back farther. Um, oh, so uh, so he died in uh, January 23rd, 91. Yeah, in Chandler, and it, it was uh, John C. O'Callaghan. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So um, so there's that. Um, but actually, what ends up happening is that you, there are Johns, and then there's this the guy that actually came over. His name is Michael. Uh, his name is Michael J. O'Callaghan. Wow. Um, and your family's from Philadelphia. Um, and uh, so, okay, so, so here. So Whoa, this, this is your great-grandfather. I'm going to pull this up. And I don't know, you guys are, you guys are going to be maybe hearing this. I may keep this in here, I may not, but uh, I've been kind of sitting on this for a little while. So, um, so 
his, that guy, mm -hmm. his dad um, was also a John C. O'Callaghan. And he was actually a really influential uh, real estate and banker guy in Philadelphia. Um, and he's, uh, he was born um, on uh, June 3rd, 1887 and, uh, in Whoa. Philadelphia. And uh, he's, uh, he was, he, yeah, he was a pretty famous guy there um, with uh, several uh, trust companies. Uh, he was actually written money, up in, in Who's Who in Finance and Banking wow. in, uh, in Philadelphia. And uh, he uh, was a member of, uh, uh, let's see here, uh, da, 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 da. he was a member of the Knights of Columbus. Um, he, uh, let's see, I'm just going to read this very, very quickly here. His, uh, his wife was named Elizabeth uh, Gunn, uh, and uh, he was a prominent member of the Philadelphia Bar. Uh, he uh, definitely, let me see here, he was an uh, officer of the first mortgage guarantee from 1911 to 1915, um, and et cetera, et cetera. And I'll give you this, but he was basically really famous in Philadelphia Dude, for real estate. that's insane. Stuff. So there's that. So um, now if you keep going into it, uh, he lived, your family's all from the North Philadelphia area. Um, and they all kind of like, once they settled there, they all kind of lived right there and stayed right there. Um, and so uh, there's actually, in the 1920 census, there's that guy um, living on uh, Mount Airy Avenue in North Philadelphia. And you can see here, the 1920 census is right here, but you can see here where exactly he lived oh, in 1920. Shit. What? Now, uh, and you can actually go, That's now the house is gone um, because a lot of those places have been kind of yeah. cleaned up, but that place is there. So here is his World War I draft registration form. And it oh says right God. here... Uh, yeah, he's, it, it, so his, uh, and the great thing about the World War I draft registration form is they, they have to describe what they look like. Uh -huh. And, uh, and it says right here, um, that, uh, let me see here, da, da, da. Um, he's got uh, light brown hair, he's got a medium build, he's got brown eyes, uh, yeah, dark hair, I'm sorry. Um, and, uh, there's actually, you can actually have right here, his actual signature, his actual autograph there, right. on the bottom left there, John C. O'Callaghan. That is Whoa, insane. That kind of looks like yours. That's crazy. That's so that's wild. so that would be your. Whoa. Let me see here. That would be actually your great, great, great. No, two greats. Two greats. Two greats. I gotta find here. Does that make awesome? That's your awesome grandpa. <laughs> two greats equals awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So now that dude. So anyway, let me kind of get this straightened out here. So I found him in 1910. Um, I found him in the 1913 Philadelphia. Uh, uh, directory, um, and uh, it's 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 great here because he says. Um, Dude, that's so awesome. I'm trying. It's, it's John C. John. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, he's uh, selling real estate in 1913, um, and he lived uh, at 1710 North Franklin, uh, which again is right on the other side of the river in North Philadelphia. Oh my God! And if you look on there underneath O'Callahan's in that directory, it's all listed right there. Um, found him again in 1910 census, um, and uh, yeah, let's see here. Yep, it's 1910. So his dad, so the first O'Callaghan that came over to America, yeah. his name was Michael uh, C. And there's actually I found a story about him. Uh, he actually at one point was a judge, uh, and I'm kind of getting some impression he was part of the uh, second or third district of the Supreme Court. Wow. Um, and uh, that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and there's actually a story that was in the Philadelphia Inquirer, March 26, 1902, I found, um, that, that he, uh, he ended up being reprimanded by another judge. 
And it's, uh, it actually uh, it's actually says right here, it says, during argument for a new trial of a case in common police, uh, common police court number three yesterday, attorney Michael J. O'Callaghan openly charged Judge McMichael with having treated his client with unfairness at the trial and with having been pra uh, partial to the defense, to the to the charge of the jury. Um, and then it basically went on, uh, basically he's like, he tears his judge to pieces. Um, and uh, it, it, this is actually really kind of interesting that, that there's somebody like that uh, that is that uh, has this kind of history um, that's actually traceable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, anyway, so here is uh, the <laughs> 1900 census, and you can find <laughs> this is your great 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 grandfather uh, shown right in here. Um, I've kind of gotten the impression, and I'll show you this uh, once we're done here. But kind of got the impression he got divorced uh, because his wife. Uh, Elizabeth, his his wife. Um, I got so many pages here, and I got to find out where my main thing is here. Yeah, his wife Elizabeth. Um, by 1900, is it says the D. Okay. In the census, so I think she left him, or he left her, yeah. or something like that. Um, so um, I found him. He's right here in the 1880 census, in again in Philadelphia, um, and it shows that he's a he's a tavern keeper. Wow. So before he got into law, he ran a tavern. Uh, and he and he did uh, liquors, and there's actually in one of these censuses here. I'll show you. Um, it says that he does he does liquors. And, wow! And it, so he's got. It seemed like he had a couple different stores or a diff couple different taverns in North Philadelphia at the time when he came over. Um, I found him in the 1875 city directory. I found him in the 1873 city directory. Um, so I, I, and I thought I was like, okay, this is really cool. Okay, I found a bunch of great stuff. Um, but then I I hit a jackpot, and uh, uh, and it was funny. He was president. <laughs> yes, exactly. The the jackpot I hit. Um, was when you were sitting in, our, in my office and Holy I was just shit. talking around and I found, uh, I found something that was written up in, uh, it's, it's in Philadelphia and popular Philadelphians and it talks about the bench and bar. And this is about your ancestor that came over to the United States. And it's actually amazing. So I'm going to read it to you. Um, it says, Michael J. O'Callaghan. Yeah. Okay. Is a successful member of the Philadelphia Bar. He was born at Cork, Ireland, October yeah. 24th, 1857. In 1866, his parents removed to Lancashire, England. Uh, Mr. O'Callaghan was educated in the public schools of England and under the guidance of private teachers. At an early age, he sought employment in the cotton mills of Lancashire and became at the age of 16 years the foreman of the spinning department of the mill where he was employed. In 1874, leaving his parents in England, he split to the United States. He didn't say split, but believing uh, he, this country afforded the best opportunity for individual effort and advancement. This was a bold move for a youth of 17 years old, without means and without friends, or favoring influence in the new country, but the result was justified. His confidence in the opportunities in the United States offers of the industrious and energetic citizen, blah, blah, blah. Um, he has since had the satisfaction of bringing to the United States his parents, who are still living, and with a brother and a sister. After remaining in New York City a short time, Mr. Callahan came to Philadelphia, uh, and uh, from 1875 to 1882 was engaged in commercial pursuits, the tavern. Wow. So he did that. Um, always a student, he took an early uh, deep interest in the study of government and institutions and of public questions and was led by the investigations on attaining his majority and becoming a citizen to identify himself with the Republican Party. Now, this was Lincoln's Republican Party, not the new one. Yeah, yeah. Um, he uh, possesses many of the gifts of the born orator to, wit, uh, orator to which he had the culture of student. He's very much in demand as a political speaker, and he does his share of the political work willingly, while at the same time he is entirely free from political ambition and is entirely devoted to the profession of the law. Summer of 1882, he became a student in the law office of an ex-senator, 
Um, and after graduating from the law department of the University of Pennsylvania, he was admitted to the bar in June 1885. Um, uh, he, uh, as his preceptor, was then a member of the state senate. A co-partnership was entered with this uh, with this senator, former senator. Um, and it basically just goes on saying that he, you know, he st he works in civil courts and so forth. So this is all about. Your great 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 grandfather oh, wow. was a dude of some note. Holy shit! Is, is that, that a him? picture of him? Well, no, that's not him. Oh, I wanted okay. it to be a picture of him, and it would have been totally cool if it was. So, so once I saw that he was over here in 1874, it allowed me to nail down specifically uh, when he came over here. And I and uh, right before we we closed up at the office there, I found the actual shipping manifest. No shit. His passenger date. He came over here in June 1st, 1874. This is the anniversary. So your family's would have been here like 139 years now. Whoa. This year, um, and it actually says right here, and it says the name of the ship and everything right here, and it says in here, uh, and his name is Mike O'Callahan. Yeah, twenty years old. Wow. So, wow, so, <laughs> oh my dude. god, that is blowing minds. Wow, my my blinds are <laughs> mowed. <laughs> Um, oh, but like I found like his wife's death certificate, so I know where she's buried in Philadelphia and all this other stuff like that. And and, uh, and she died relatively young, unfortunately. She died of uh, colon cancer. Um, and Jeez. she's uh, and she's buried in a really nice Catholic cemetery in, Phil in North Philadelphia. Um, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's actually really crazy. My my, just, my family was planning on on going to Cork uh, to, for for like you know a family reunion. Right. And my mom was pregnant with me at the time. Well, we had to to duck out and my mom gave birth to me oh, wow. prior to them going back there so that's that's incredible man that my, my, my family's gonna incredible. love this that's, that's awesome that's great that's well, so I, cool that's, that's really so cool. cool so and then this actually this is how it plays out in your family chart i mean of course now you got to add on your yeah, father yeah. father and his great-grandfather but that's how it kind of plays out at this that's point that's insane it's interesting what you can find out online now. Oh my God. That is the coolest shit I've seen That's in a how long you got here. Time. Wow. wow. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Definitely. Okay. Well, folks, <laughs> oh, now you've seen all that. <laughs> the longest AP I may, podcast I, mean, I know ever. I may cut that all out. I don't know yet. Um, but anyway, uh, guys, thank you so much for coming by. Um, it, I wish you the best of luck with this. You guys are in obviously a wonderful, beautiful spot right now. And uh, I can tell that you guys feel really at peace with everything. And uh, you're positive. You're just positive. I see a lot of positive energy coming out of you. So best of luck with this. And, and also, I hope you get a good night's sleep. Thank you for everything. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for everything. amazing. AP Podcasts are recorded at Lava Room Recording Studio in Cleveland, Ohio, a New York City quality studio at Cleveland Prices. Check out www.lavaroomrecording.com. For more information on Alternative Press Magazine, go to www.altpress.com. The podcast engineer is John Walsh. Post-production assistance from Rob Tenzi. I'm Mike Shea, and this is all my fault. You can reach me directly at www.myspace.com slash Mike Shea AP. That's S-H-E-A like the stadium, AP. 